North-South Connection. It's Friday, and you know what that means. It should be time for episode 16 of the You Know What That Means podcast, but if you can't tell from the inflection of my voice, I am not excited. I am your host, Jordan Duncan. For the first 15 episodes, my co-host has been Andrew Reich. However, in light of a recent departure from All Elite Wrestling to World Wrestling Entertainment, Andrew has cast his lot. He is a part of the Nightmare Academy, and he has gone WWE as well. We wish him the best of luck in his future endeavors. So it's just me flying solo here. Oh, hang on. I'm being handed a note. Breaking news from... Tony Khan of the North, the Tony Khan of North South Connection, which I think is Chad. I'm not sure which one that is. Oh my! Oh my goodness! Ladies and gentlemen, I am co-hostless no more. Joining me now, he is All Elite Podcast, Place to Be Nation's main event co-host, Mister Steve Willie. Steve, welcome to the show. Steve Willie is All Elite. You know. What happened was, if you've you know followed main event on Place to Be Nation, you will know my my long love and recent feud with Ring of Honor that is very much one sided. No one no one cares. <laughs> um, but Tony Khan purchased Ring of Honor and gave me fifty dollars in ten dollar bills uh, to pay for the Honor Club membership that just failed and died. And so, yeah, I debuted at Supercard of Honor, and here I am, right. the All Elite, you know what that means, podcast. I don't know what this means. Yeah. You know, the funny thing is, I never knew what it meant either. <laughs> I mean, obviously, it's a reference to Brody Lee, but he used to just tweet, it's Wednesday, and you know what that means, it's Tuesday. And you know, those were like all of his tweets. Yes, uh, but yeah, I, like I, every day. I never got the joke. Um I think it had something to do with like when he was off, when he was with WWE, but he was never used. Yeah, like like his release date or something. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, let's set the record straight, though. Andrew Reich has not joined uh, the WWE. He is not Cody fanboying around the country. Uh, in fact, he's actually a little happy to not see Cody on his TBS screen anymore. Andrew is on a well-deserved vacation with his family in. Uh, Sunny Orlando, Florida. Um, as funny as it is, uh, Dynamite this week airs from his hometown in New, uh, New Orleans. So, so, <laughs> so he's, sad. Yeah, he's actually not there to go. So he went to uh, Impact Pay-Per-View a couple months ago. He was talking about going to a Ring of Honor show, and then he missed AEW. So Andrew's just uh, all over the place. Uh, but his spirit will be felt in this episode as he has uh, left us copious amounts of notes to discuss. Because, Steve, what we do uh, on this show is not really a breakdown of match-by-match results or things like that. We're not timely enough to do that. We're a bi-weekly podcast, so... Tell, we could tell you every match result from two weeks ago on Dynamite, or you could Google for four seconds and figure that out. We just kind of like kind of like to shoot the breeze and talk AEW. Uh, I think there's a lot of WWE talk out there, and I understand it. it's the biggest company out there. But there's not a whole lot of AEW podcasts that I listen to, at least. Um, and I'm a fan. So, first things first, obviously, I've known you for, gosh, how long have we known each other, Steve? It's closing in on... 20 years I yeah I, I talked to justin rosero for this very feed a couple weeks ago and he said the year 2004 and that okay. kind of blew my mind wow. but it's probably right 
Yeah. I mean, I always, as a parent, I always go by like my kids' ages. Like that's my best way to gauge things. I know we've known each other since before I adopted my daughter, Sophie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know we've known each other since before my younger son was born. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe Isaac, who just turned 19 a couple weeks ago, I think he was alive before I met you. That makes about sense, because yeah. that would be before 2004. Yeah, he was 2003, so. And I've told this story before, but when my youngest was born, which would have been in 2011, do you remember the streamer, The Stro? I do, Based yeah. after Maestro? Uh-huh. Uh, and he or she, who knows, let, let's not assume, but right. probably he, had a stream of WCW Nitros and Thunders yep. in order. And the night that my youngest was born... While he and my wife were sleeping, Andrew, Rish, and I watched the, we kind of live watched the stream together and went back and forth on Messenger talking about it as wow. it was on. I think there might have been one other person, but uh, yeah, it was, that's one of my favorite Andrew Rish stories is that yeah. I was sitting in the hospital in the pitch black uh, with my computer watching I, and it was 2000 WCW oh. Nitro. So I'm, I'm thinking maybe you just watched your wife, you know, go through the pain of childbirth and felt a little mm-hmm. guilty that you didn't have to endure any pain yourself. Well, I so you did said, have to endure pain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was really thirsty for a soda. Oh, and this is man, very important. And, and pop, as we would call in, in uh, where I grew up. But, um, and I was just about to go out and get one. And the doctor's like, nope, it's time. And then like five hours later, <laughs> then I was able to go get a soda. And I think that was the real problem is that I was, I was dry. Very parched. Yeah. Very parched. And uh, yeah, they didn't give me an epidural. Yeah. Horrible. Horrible. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's a hospital. They have IVs. They have IV bags. They could have just put Mountain Dew directly into your veins and probably they, been solved. But Absolutely. <clears throat> Speaking of sodas, uh, I call it pop here in Michigan, but um, have you seen Nitro Pepsi? Yes. I drank yes, one yesterday. Yes, I have. How was it? I... I don't know. I am very on the fence. It's basically Pepsi without like fizz. Mm-hmm. And it didn't feel right to me. Like it felt like I was drinking flat pop, but it didn't taste flat. And it had a lot of like foam, like like a, a, a beer, you know, um, like my first drink. I just got all head, you know, like yeah. <laughs> all foam um, is a is an experience. Um, it was so strange drinking, like taking a big swig of, of Pepsi and no, like, carbonation or fizz. That was the weirdest part to me. Um, yeah, because they have the nitro coffee mm-hmm. is is a thing, and I think that's where it started. And then they started putting nitro into beer, so yep. it's much smoother, but it has, like, a huge, like like you said, foamy head on yep. it. Yep, So, like, it has instructions on the can. Like, you're supposed to yep. get your bottle ready, open the can, and it says, pour hard, like, flip it right over. Yep, you know? upside down. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's interesting. Um what I think is cool is I read today that Mr. Pib is coming out with their version, but it's called Dynamite Pib. Uh, so it's the <laughs> rival of Nitro Pepsi. And uh, somewhere, I think Impact RC Cola is going to be coming out down the down the pipe pretty soon. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think I could give it a recommendation, though. Firecracker Fago. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I, have, I had that uh, last summer once. It was so hard to find. Do you have Fago? In Wisconsin, is it easy, easy, easily accessible? I, I think at like Dollar Trees or something like that, okay, maybe. See, see Fago's from Michigan, so it's everywhere around here. In fact, my wife, in an effort to not necessarily 
eat and drink healthier. She's trying to get rid of caffeine. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's been drinking Fago because no Fago has uh, caffeine in it. So she's been on a big Fago orange kick and Fanta orange, which does not have caffeine as well. So It has like 67 grams of sugar yeah. per serving. <laughs> it's, it's insane. <laughs> but no caffeine. Right, exactly. So she's successfully gotten rid of the caffeine at the cost of her left foot. So. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I guess we can swing this back full circle because Fago Orange leads us to Orange Cassidy, who is a member of the All Elite roster. Steve, tell us a little bit about your history with AEW, your fandom, where you are right now versus maybe, I don't know, six months ago, stuff like that. Um, I kind of was a day one AEW mm-hmm. person. I was into New Japan and Ring of Honor when they were working together. So when they split off to start their own company um and left ring of honor it was an easy transition especially when they announced their their initial roster and brought in like pentagon and phoenix who um and like um santana and ortiz who i had seen like on the independence and Mm -hmm. stuff like that so it was a very easy transition for me not really um and i know very much so like we don't make fun or put down wwe in here but it was just it, it was there was too much of it um, it, there was just too much for me to watch. I was watching NXT at the time, which had a, you know, similar vibe to it. Sure. So yeah, from the first all out or all in pay-per-view, um, I've only probably missed a few episodes of mm-hmm. dynamite, uh, during a period of time. I've gone to one dynamite live and I want to say three pay-per-views. Yeah. I've, I was close to going to, to one of them with you guys, but COVID reared its ugly head, and I yeah. uh, I just didn't want to roll the dice. Uh, and that was for All Out, which uh, kind of is the st- starting point of this podcast. We, Me and Andrew started right before All Out. Is I, I think Punk was set. The news of Punk debuting was already out in our first episode. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if our first episode was a preview for All Out. Maybe that was episode two. Uh, but in, in my timeline, All Out is right basically when our show started. Uh, so I know you were there with the great... Brett Carlson, correct? Yes. Yeah, I'd, I've gone to All Out 2021 mm-hmm. and then All Out 2019. Mm-hmm. What was the main event of that one? Was that? Uh, that was Hangman and Jericho. Hangman and Jericho. For okay. the title. Yep. Okay. And then Revolution 2020, which was about two or three weeks before COVID, really. And that was with the pit. wild tag team match, correct? Yeah, with Omega. With, it wasn't the main event, but it, it was, was Omega and uh, and Hangman Page. Right, against the Bucks, yep. which was just an all-time match because not only was it a great five-star quality work rate match, but there was long-term storytelling yep. that went with it. I agree, yeah. Uh, I think that's one of the... <sighs> Twitter's a cesspool. <laughs> Let's just throw that <laughs> out there. But my, I like to read the, the replies and the comments, and I get in, dragged into these conversations sometimes, but... My go-to to know if I should reply to someone or not is if they say the Bucks are bad storytellers. Because mm-hmm. if they do, I'm like, eh, they don't watch them. You know? Right. <laughs> like, I, I'm fine if you're not a fan of them. I get why you wouldn't be a fan. I love them. Uh, I get why you wouldn't be. But they are storytellers. In fact, like, the, the uh, we're in, like, year three or so of AEW, and they've basically been in two, three stories total. They just are so long. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a big fan, so I'm glad to have you on the show because uh, I respect your your knowledge of wrestling. I know you are uh, a fan. I know you had to do some homework to get caught up. <laughs> I'm constantly uh, 
three weeks behind yeah exactly. on wrestling yeah uh, um and i try not to be spoiled but it's it's almost impossible not to be spoiled so yeah, yeah that was my goal this past week is like okay i have no excuses now uh yeah and uh, i was on vacation a bit too so that that helped start it off and then you know tony had a to buy you know tony and i are personally close since mm-hmm. you know and, and by the way tony the niece stream, right you mean yeah, tony niece tony niece yes yeah. <laughs> um yeah, whenever someone new joins AEW, Tony Nese gets the one of the first matches. So, <laughs> uh, the stream of Ring of Honor worked very well on yeah. Honor Club, and it was only nine ninety nine. So, if you're paying thirty bucks for that, don't. Yeah, so I mean, like like I said, we're an AEW podcast. Uh, I, I say that over and over because when I say we're an AEW podcast, I think people expect us to just be like, isn't WWE stupid? And we'll mention that here and there, but we will also give them some credit, but we try to kind of steer the conversation away from that. But with Tony purchasing ring of honor, I feel like ring of honor has to be discussed on this show because it's in the AEW umbrella. It'd be like having a WWE podcast, but not talking NXT. You know what I mean? Um, and so, uh, ring of honor had their first show since, uh, the con purchase. Uh, it was over WrestleMania weekend. It was super card of honor. Uh, you watched the whole show, correct? I haven't watched the main event yet. Okay. Uh, because with what you said, if it stood alone mm-hmm. uh, on its own, I don't know if we'd have to necessarily talk about it. But there was stuff on this show that yes. um, yeah. directly affects AEW. Yes. Um, even little continuations of stories mm-hmm. uh, in the mid card, which was pretty interesting to see yeah and stuff that we saw on supercard of honor in terms of well like for example like jay lethal's character character correct um has already played out on dynamite you know this past week on dynamite uh we saw samoa joe's first match and jay lethal immediately kind of called him out and said he's got a big surprise this is my disclaimer for every episode we tape uh we, we drop on a friday but we tape early in the week so uh there's gonna be some stuff that's already happened that we are talking about future happenings for example Samoa Joe versus Minoru Suzuki has not happened as I am speaking but by the time this podcast comes out it will have happened and the world has probably been changed and someone has died so (laughs) (laughs) but you know what did happen Minoru Suzuki versus Rat Titus yeah uh, another dream match of all dream matches (laughs) yeah uh Suzuki beat him for the Ring of Honor TV title um and uh is is Suzuki the surprise that Jay Lethal said he had for Samoa Joe, do you think? Because Lethal said for Joe, I've got a big surprise for you at Dynamite next week, which is, you know, this coming week. Uh, but they've announced that Suzuki hmm. versus Joe. I'm, I'm wondering if that's a surprise or if there's going to be some shenanigans. Yeah, I was thinking more of shenanigans, like maybe yeah. there'll be interference or, or, or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, then that's like the positives of these little storylines or a few weeks ago lethal lost to adam cole he lost to cole he lost to moxley moxley and then yeah and said you know i need to think of something different right. and then when he was against lee moriarty he just tried everything couldn't beat him so ended up using a low blow yeah to and then the uh lethal injection to beat lee moriarty and then uh, I believe came out after the main event and attacked Gresham, who was his longtime yes, partner. He did, uh, and Sanjay Dutt joined in, uh, and that beat down at the end. Yes. So, which I think at the turn, 
he kind of shoved Sanjay off, but then by the end of the show, Sanjay had seen the lighter. So maybe I'm confused, but I think it's yes. interesting too to see that they're already putting some emphasis on the Ring of Honor shows because Lethal's turn that's been hinted at on AEW television happened on the Ring of Honor show. Uh, so I think it's good to put some value there. Uh, something if for our listeners who've listened to my last few episodes, I've been kind of bemoaning Rampage as the forgotten TV show because nothing happens on Rampage. Well, uh, we'll talk about something shortly that happened that I think uh, hopefully corrects course. Um, but I think that's something AEW needs to work on is making things happen outside of Dynamite. Um, I get that it's a flagship show, but if nothing happens on anything else, then what that tells the viewers is you don't have to watch that stuff, ultimately. I mean, yeah, you'll get good matches, but you won't miss anything important. You know what I mean? Uh, whereas with the Ring of Honor show, you might you might have missed something important if you didn't see it. And you definitely might have missed the best match of WrestleMania weekend with FTR versus the Briscoes. What did you think of that match? That was... It, it was really good. Yeah. I, I think... Um, both had something to prove because they had built it up mm-hmm. over several months, uh, Dax and Jay Briscoe going back and forth on Twitter. And it is like, who's the best tag team? That is a question. And the Briscoes really haven't done anything out of Ring of Honor until these past few a months. Long time, yeah. yeah. Uh, when Ring of Honor started to go down. So uh, what I really liked about it was there is this urgency, even though it went 27 minutes, like the first 10 minutes, Yep. there was this urgency where the Briscoes and FTR were both, it was almost like they were working at like one or two clicks faster. Yeah, like you're watching a 1.5 speed or 1.25. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you know, Cash and Dax are usually like selling things down, but even stuff on the outside, everything just looked and seemed a little bit faster and everything looked and seemed a little bit stiffer. And um I'm not the biggest Briscoe fans anymore, and maybe it's just like I appreciate their wrestling, but um, you know, maybe not some of the things. Yeah, they yeah the less you know about them as people. Uh, yeah, although uh, I know I read an interview with, or maybe it was on Post, where they interviewed Ian Riccoboni, and it's like, hey, I drive with them all the time, and um, they've talked to me about this stuff, and they've gotten better, and they're trying to learn. So that's good. Yeah, that's yeah. all you can really ask from people sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that was. Uh, great match you know Meltzer gave it five stars which is warranted yeah um, i agree 9.6 on cage match which is really high wow wow uh i i i, I would say feel comfortable saying that's probably the best match of wrestlemania weekend because at wrestlemania itself i guess the bianca uh not sasha bianca uh becky match becky. uh and maybe the cody match a lot of people raved about that i didn't watch it um had no desire like you can listen to our back catalog for my thoughts on Cody. My thoughts are, you know, that's, that's pretty much it. Uh, let, let, here's one more quick throwback. We've been friends for a long time, Steve. There's a phrase that our little group of wrestling fans had called the Cody line. Uh, and it was the Cody line for a reason. Do you want to tell us, yes. uh, tell our listeners what the Cody line was? <laughs> yeah, and the Cody line was um, way, way, way before he was even, like, dashing Cody. Like, this was... Very early yeah, on. I think it's like hardcore Cody's Holly's teammate, Cody Rhodes, right? Right. Yeah. Um, and just like Cody is just the the basic, back, back then, the basic wrestler. Like, And what was great about this, what gave me a, such a big chuckle, I, I think it was in one of the behind, or um, yeah, being the elite, uh, where they were doing a lot in New Japan, a lot of the Cody versus Bucks versus Kenny with Coda. You know, it was kind of the five of them. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Kenny called 
Cody, Mr. Two and a Half Stars. <laughs> it's like, what, was, was Kenny in our chats? Right. Was he Tom Cruise? <laughs> yeah. Um, so even when, uh, and I've seen some uh, WWE, like, kind of hardcore fans be like, oh, yeah, now Cody will suck now that he's in WWE. That's what all these AEW fans would say. And I'm like, nah, I don't really like Cody Rhodes in AEW either. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It, he had some, you know, great matches like with with Dustin and mm-hmm. um, trying to think. Like there was a, one of the Darby matches was pretty good. Yeah, I think the Guevara matches were good, especially his last yeah. match where he lost the title to Sammy was good. Um, but they always had to have like this something extra in terms of mm-hmm. storyline. Uh, I've heard it described as the Cody verse almost, no. where where it was, it was just a little there had to be a little extra oomph or there had to be his opponent had to be a really big name mm-hmm. or a really good worker to to kind of almost bring him up and uh, you know i don't know if he's going to be like that I, I did see the seth rollins match i thought it was great um but you know now he's going against the miz you know this week and so what's get you know will it just go back on to tv that? I don't, too a tv yeah, match t- yeah Cody does best when it's a story he- storyline heavy mm-hmm. um, main event match, except when he tried to kill himself by throwing himself through a fiery table <laughs> against Andrade because his ego was starting to, yeah, to, to feelings take a hit. were starting to get hurt a little bit there. Yeah, uh, I, one of my thoughts on Cody, and I, we can move away from him, is there's an old episode of The Simpsons where. Itchy and Scratchy brought in a new character called Poochie. Have you ever seen this episode? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so everyone hates Poochie. And Homer, of course, is the voice of Poochie. Like, immediately is rejected. And he goes to the writers, and he has a list of ideas to, to, to rescue the Poochie character. And one of them, he says, whenever Poochie isn't on screen, have all the other characters say, where's Poochie? And I feel like <laughs> Cody got a little Poochied, you know, where, like, everything had to be... Not that the show was all about him, but I feel like when he wasn't getting mentioned, like, I don't know, it just feels like re- hearing these interviews after he's left and stuff that he took stuff a little too personally. Like, why am I not involved in this? You know, like he was a little bit poochy, you know, like Kevin Nash in WCW was it was called Big Poochie by Scott Keith for years, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I feel like he had a little bit of a, a poochy vibe in the sense that. He wasn't content with just having his segment and then ha- you know other guys having their stuff. Like he felt like he needed to be a bigger part of the show, uh, even though the fans didn't really want that. So, yeah, uh, that's about it for for my thoughts on Cody. Um, I could go at length on what I think of the WWE, but I've shown restraint. I've grown as a person since my main event days, Steve. Uh, <laughs> Well, if you can help me with that, because I'm taping main event this week, and I don't know how to talk about WrestleMania without having watched WrestleMania. Yeah. So, and I don't want to be the person who judges something when I haven't seen it. So. I will. I will say, uh, I haven't seen it yet. But my brother, who is not a wrestling fan by really any definition, texted me. He was with friends. I don't know if he was at a friend's house or if they were at a bar or something. And WrestleMania was on. And he texted me and said, "I must watch Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville." Um, <laughs> I haven't yet. Uh, but he says it's incredible. Um, and I've heard mixed reviews. Like Dave Meltzer hated it. But Dave Meltzer's not like a big comedy guy anyways. Uh, right. So anyways, back to AEW and back to FDR, back to uh, the Briscoes. Uh, so FDR beat the Briscoes for the Ring of Honor tag team titles. They went on to then defend the Ring of Honor tag belts and the AAA tag belts on Dynamite 
the week after Mania against the Young Bucks in another really, really great match. Um, this is the second time these guys have fought in AEW. Uh, first time they fought in front of a crowd uh, because the first time, well, maybe, maybe there was right. some crowd at Daly's Place, but it was during, you know, lockdowns and COVID and stuff. So this crowd was super hot. Um, I thought the match was really, really good. I guess the question would be, Steve, which of the two matches do you prefer? Is it Briscoe's or Bucks for you? I prefer the Briscoes yeah. one for the reason that there is just a little bit more, a little bit more hatred, maybe. Mm-hmm. Even though that they never met, it was the first time, and um, there is a little bit more. Just serious knew it. Like it sure. felt like there were more. There was more at stake yeah. in the match, where it was like, who's the best tag team of all time? Where I, and no offense to the Young Bucks, um, they're great, but it was just kind of a Young Bucks match. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I love the Bucks. Um, I also think too. I, I, going in, I expected it to be a good match, but I also fully expected FTR to win this match against the Bucks. Right. I wasn't so sure who was going to win the Briscoes match, and that always adds a little bit to the drama when you just aren't sure who's going to win. Um, in hindsight, I think it makes sense. It probably should have been obvious beforehand that Tony Khan was going to take the belts off the Briscoes until right. he's got them locked down himself. But If he gets them locked down. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I think there was a little bit more mystery to the results of that match than there was to the Dynamite match, which I thought uh, FTR was going to win because they're really kind of getting behind the FTR Express here. Uh, FTR is babyfaces, by the way. Um me and Andrew discussed hugely over on massive, both shows, massive. Ring of Honor, and yeah, like mm-hmm. that just like just turned on a dime, almost as much as Cody went the other way. Oh yeah, it's it's wild because Andrew and I talked about this in the last episode. Even going back to the revival days, I don't know that they've ever been straight baby faces. Like we no in their start of AEW, they were kind of like playing the fence, but it turned out that they were messing with Paige and Omega, like, playing mind games and stuff. So they're a little bit tweener, but, like, these guys have always been heels and uh, been effective heels, too. Like, so it's not like a turn that was necessarily needed, per se, um, but, man, does it make sense that they're baby faces. <laughs> like, and they really didn't do much outside of firing Tully Blanchard yeah. and slapping hands with a few fans at right? the Ring of Honor. That was about it. Yeah, they haven't even, like, officially left MJF's group yet. Like, they're still tentatively on screen part of the pinnacle like they've told mjf like hey we don't want nothing to do with this wardlow stuff but they haven't like quit on him so like right. they're still aligned with the biggest heel in the company really uh but man i don't know that there's a bigger babyface in aew right now than these guys and i have a dream match like i want moxley and danielson to win the tag titles immediately go on a tear and meet up with ftr in in a match for the tag team titles that give them 30 minutes i don't care that match just makes me drool right now <laughs> like <laughs> the idea of that match sounds so so good um so here's a question for you um ftr uh the gimmick is kind of that they're one of the if not the greatest tag team of all time of course there's a lot of hints about bret hart coming in as well in what capacity whether he's a weekly character or just maybe gives them the endorsement Remains to be seen. I personally don't really want to see Brett every single week. Um, I think he'll slow them down too much. You know, I think right. that they don't need Brett's mouthpiece. I don't know that Brett's mic work would really be 
all that great anymore either. <laughs> like he's just going to mention Goldberg, right? <laughs> you know, so yeah, a stroke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's a really good tweet. Um, somebody replied to a Dax tweet, and it was like an audio. And it was a great Brett impression talking about like, oh, yeah, you guys are great. Stinking Goldberg kicked my head in and made me retire. <laughs> He's lousy Goldberg. But uh, where would you rank FTR in the greatest of all time list? Like, are they near the top already? Do they have some, some more work to do? I know that's kind of a question to throw at you out of nowhere, but gut reaction. I, it took me a while to warm up to them Mm -hmm. because there was a while and this is not going to be popular and i get it (laughs) um (laughs) it felt in a way like they were um, a novelty act is too strong but like especially when they came into AEW, where it's like their characters were that they did a lot of moves that other tag teams did yeah and like you know who else did that kind of thing eugene (laughs) 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 So I, I thought they were a really good tag team, um, like, you know, matches with Gargano and Ciampa, and, and they've Alpha grown Acad- on me. Alpha Academy, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they've grown on me uh, quite a bit. So uh, especially the last couple months, um, it, it's hard. Like, those questions are so hard. Yeah. You know, if you're, we, you know, if you're imitating Rock and Roll Express and Midnight Express, then your thought and like the brain busters aren't in Tully, then your thoughts go, well, are they better than the people that they are emulating? Mm, that's a good question. And I, are they better than the rock and roll express? Yes, I definitely think so. Mm-hmm. Um, Midnight express. Uh, I really like the Stan Lane and Bobby Eaton version. Yeah, I was, that was my question express. was which midnights, Bobby and Stan or Bobby and Randy. Yeah. Or, yeah. Randy, right. Or Dennis, Dennis, uh, Dennis. Yeah. And then, yeah, there was even... Wasn't it Randy Rose, too? Wasn't he in there once? Yeah. yeah. Dennis and Randy at some point, yeah. But yeah. Bobby Eaton and Stan Lane's the favorite of mine, which Agreed. also is probably Same not here. the most popular opinion. No, that's my opinion as well, though. But yeah, and then and then the Brain Busters. I mean, like, that's that's tough company to, mm-hmm. to, to get into the room with and to cement your place atop them is even more lofty. And I mean... If, is that you like, have the Young Bucks, you have the Briscoes. Yeah. Have, I mean, the Hardys the and Edge and Christian. Yeah. And, yeah, the Usos are pretty darn good, too. Yeah. I mean, like, do you think when you look at the the FTR, do you think they could beat you up in real life, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I, I think they would pop me right good. Yeah. I, I think pretty much all of those tag teams would because <laughs> yeah. I'm a middle-aged man who has no fighting background. Right, right. Uh, I have a good running background. So. I'll, I'll spoil that joke. Uh, a, a place to be affiliate, uh, Mr. Steve Williams, who can be found on Twitter, not Dr. Death, tweeted that he likes the Usos because he looks at them and thinks they could beat him up, but he doesn't think the Young Bucks could beat him up, which, not to bash the guy, Steve, if you're listening and you want to come on the show and defend yourself, you are more than welcome. Um, I don't think that's the best way to value a wrestler's ability um because for me personally then every wrestler is good because i would lose a lot of fights <laughs> like <laughs> even like hornswoggle could probably beat me up <laughs> so uh yeah I, I i don't think that should be your 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 make or break on if a team is good or not but uh like you said there's so many current good to great tag teams uh we're kind of in a 
tag team renaissance in AEW. I mean, the t- division is so deep and so much. I mean, if we even consider Moxley and Danielson a full-time team, obviously we're not going to call them one of the all-time greats. They've had like five matches together. But the dream matches alone are are limitless, uh, not to mention Keith Lee and uh, Swerve as a team as well. <laughs> so, I mean, there's so many combinations you can have. I, I would love to just see a month's worth of shows where every match is a tag team match. I don't think I would get sick of it, but no, anyways. and they were founded. They were, they, and I don't know if it was more the young bucks doing, but they were kind of founded on tag team wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a bit of an offshoot of ring of honor too, which always had tag team wrestling, uh, at the forefront and often placed their belts on an equal status yeah. as the heavyweight championship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. It's for one thing. I feel like it's—I I don't want to discredit their work, but I almost feel like it's easier to create drama and tension in a tag match than it is in a singles match because you've always got that other person that could come in and disrupt a pinfall or break up a submission. Um, so, not—I don't want to say it's easier, but it's in—it's a little bonus that you don't have if it's just a one-on-one match. Um, so you got more tools to work with with tag matches. Here's another question for you, Steve: Gut reaction. Mm-hmm. Do you think uh, we will see a tag team match headline a pay-per-view in the next mm, calendar year? Hmm. That's a good question. It feels like they've always tried to put the the heavyweight title on last. Yep. Just going off the, the top of my head, trying to remember back. Um. I, I don't think I'm we'll see it in WWE no. at all. Yeah, I'm going to say no. Yeah. Because they've put on some tag team matches. And I'm thinking of like the Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers in the Cage or mm-hmm. the the aforementioned Omega and, and Page, uh, Page yeah. versus the Bucks, which those feuds are pretty darn big. Yeah. And they put those kind of in the middle of the show. Yeah. And even the FTR Briscoes match. That was the match everyone was looking forward yep. to. Yep, that was the um, main event of the fans. Yeah, yeah, that was the fans' main event. I think I'm with you though. I, as much emphasis as you could put on the tag division, I don't think we'll see it finish a show because I don't know if there's ever been a tag team that has like that lightning in a bottle thing that like you see with like a Goldberg or a Wardlow or you know these hot acts that just ascend. I, I, I'm trying to think if there's ever been a tag team like that, and I, I, I don't know that there ever has been. Hmm. No, I can't think so either. If you want to put your best match on last, it's it, it would be easy to do that, but sure. I, I just think it's um, outside of the norms of wrestling to do that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think I, I wouldn't have a real problem with it depending on the feud, though. Like, as I mentioned, if we did lead to, like, uh, Danielson and Moxley winning the belts from the Jurassic Express and then Danielson-Moxley versus FTR, I think you could make a case for that being the headline of a pay-per-view depending on what the other matches are. Um, absolutely you could. But, you know. Got it. If, and if I can, we can just kind of transition off of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, by far, this is my favorite thing in wrestling right now, is Brian Danielson and John Moxley the together bl- with Steven Regal. Yeah. Or William Regal. Yeah. With William Regal. Uh, William Regal can do commentary all day long, <laughs> in my opinion. Uh, he's just so good. Oh, yeah. Um, 
Did he ever do NXT, or is that just like the CW thing that he did? I don't remember him on commentary in NXT. I think he was just the the authority figure. Yeah, for a while, when you could find it on YouTube, when they before NXT, they did the Florida Championship Wrestling, mm-hmm. and he was an announcer who once in a while, I think twice, he had matches against. Uh, and that's how he had the affiliation with Moxley now, when he yep. would talk about that he have a hand, so that he had. Uh, one of the last matches in FCW was Moxley against Regal. And and he also had a match with Claudio before that, or Cesaro. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, just uh, w- when he comes to the announcing table and it's like, oh, get a- hello, Mr. Ross, hello, Mr. Shivani, hello, Mr. Man in the Mask, <laughs> just <laughs> cracks me up. I, I love that he kind of gets in some cuts uh, on the product. Like uh, this past week, he mentioned... Uh, you know, with the three of you, I don't really need to be out here, do I? Kind of pointing out that four men yes. in the booth is a little too much. A little much. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, he's he's awesome. Um, it's just like a perfect blend of stuff. Like Danielson, I, I could see, I haven't really heard it, but I could see people, if you're like Danielson is your guy, that maybe he's taking a step backwards because he's not talking as much. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't care at all. Like I love Brian Danielson, the cocky. I'm I'm the best wrestler. I'm the perfect wrestler. Uh, he's he's awesome in his role. I think Moxley, since he's come back from rehab, is a, like a refreshed person, and it's showed in his work. I have never been the biggest John Moxley fan. I, I didn't like Dean Ambrose really at all, and I could take or leave John Moxley for a while. But this John Moxley that we've gotten, you know in the past five, six, seven weeks since he's been back has been incredible. Um, Absolutely incredible. And, you know, to piggyback off of the someone could beat me up or not beat me up, (laughs) he's legitimately scary. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He's a a scary man right now. Yeah. Um, Just kind of embracing that character. Yeah, As opposed to before he went on rehab, it was more, like, kind of unhinged. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a bit and a bit out of shape and now it's just like and, and i like that they're the tag team itself isn't just we get along perfectly and we're we're best buds mm-hmm. there's definite difference between danielson and moxley where hey like with wheeler yuda who you know we'll talk about had danielson's respect but Moxley didn't feel like the same way. He's like, I don't have to respect you. Like, like, that's not what we're doing here. I'm here to to beat you up and get paid. Right. Well, because, too, when you look at the two matches, like, Wheeler Yuta wrestled with Danielson, and, like, Danielson gets his respect, whereas Moxley's kind of like, well, anybody can wrestle. Like, let's fight. You know, let's bleed. (laughs) You know? And uh, boy, did he. Uh, Wheeler Yuta... Bled buckets. Uh, we've heard of the Muda scale. Do we change it to the Yuta scale, Steve? <laughs> like that was one of those matches that I made sure to watch after the kids went to bed. Yeah, yeah. I did not want my daughter. Like my daughter's not really interested in wrestling. Every once in a while, she come in, she, and it's funny. She goes, "Why do people do this for a job? I don't get it." <laughs> and I'm like, sweetie, I don't know, but uh, I did not want her to to watch. I don't even like play video games with violence like that in front of her uh let alone a man actually nearly bleeding to death like <laughs> gosh man there's a picture that i tweeted and i put on my facebook of the blood just squirting out oh that's forehead. so gross it's so gross have you ever have you so ever great. squirted blood before no the closest i've ever come is like you know you ever like pop a zit 
that's just ready yeah. to go and like a little blood comes out. But not because I've been kicked in the head. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, that's never happened yet. And hopefully it never will. Um, gosh, but uh, it's funny because uh, Andrew has been a topic we've been dancing around. We haven't really got to is, is AEW too violent? And maybe a subtopic is, do they use blood too much? And you have an answer to that. Uh, and you shared with me you know, by text message that they do. And I agree with you. Uh, I think they go to the well a little too often with the bleeding, don't you? Yeah, I really do. Um, I don't. I'm not opposed to blood. Sure. And I think it's. I, I think it could be used sparingly to really get the point across of mm-hmm. these two people hate each other. Yep. Um, like Punk and MJF, the dog collar match. Yes, you should have blood in that. Sure. Yep. Um, but I've even heard you and Andrew make jokes about, well, uh, every single match that Hangman Page is in, <laughs> yeah. he bleeds in. Yeah. And, um, this Friday, you know, the day that this comes out, yep. um, Hangman Page is going to be against Adam Cole in a Texas death match. You know, someone's bleeding there. Oh yeah. And, and it's probably going to be both of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, and in the FTR Briscoe's match, mm-hmm. you know, there was blood in that. And I, I guess you can argue that that was somewhat separate. Um, but yeah, when it, when it's done so often, it loses Mm -hmm. its importance. Yep. And not to mention the fact, um, I know I'm a huge, huge, huge Nigel McGuinness fan. I always have been. And once he had to retire and get sick and he got sick with hepatitis, Mm. um, there was no blood in ring of honor for a long time. And he was part of it. Like he was like the on-screen commissioner and whatnot, and like the announcer. But I know that he fought, and the wrestlers really respected him to get rid of that. Yeah. Um, just because of the danger aspect. And I'm not saying AEW is dirty and and stuff like that. But you know what? Moxley got a staph infection right a couple of years ago that was really really serious. Mm-hmm. And to, to just to do it sparingly. Because if you did it, like, with this Yuta match, I understand why they did it, and it really helped. Sure. Because the crowd was going crazy for Yuta. They were against Danielson, even, too. Um, and that helped the story. Mm-hmm. I think it would be help the story even more so if we hadn't seen just the other day against Lance Archer, there was blood. Yeah. Um, trying to think of other ones. Yeah. Lance and Dustin, I think the one you're referring to. Yeah. Yeah. And Lance and Adam page. And, and that's exactly the point where like, I forgot about the one with Dustin and Lance. It's happened so often that it loses its specialness. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And thankfully I don't, it didn't, it didn't hurt this match. The fact that we've seen it so much. My go-to recently is the Thunder Rosa title win. Um, I felt like they there were some spots in there. I was not a big oh, fan yeah. of that match. There were some spots in there, including the blood, that just felt like okay. And now is the part where we have to get the blood, right? Like it didn't really make sense. Uh, I mean, and I understand. Oh, cage match, you bleed and you go off their history. The first time they had that match, the lights out match, the blood. I mean, that basically made Britt Baker. I get it. Right. I get it. But uh, you know, there there's something to 
things being done in moderation. Uh, and like you said, even just the, the safety of it, you know, you mentioned the ring of honor and, and the staff infection with Moxley. I mean, WWE had like a hepatitis scare with Bob Wharton senior, uh, yeah, way back when, yeah, way back when, I mean, you never really know. Um, I'm not opposed to blood. I'm not like, uh, oh, we should wrestlers should never bleed. I mean, it's it's essentially uh, scripted combat sports. Blood happens mm-hmm. in MMA all the time, so it stands to to reason that we would see blood in professional wrestling. I get it. I think here it was really awesome. I don't think the intention was for Wheeler Yuta to basically almost bleed out in the ring. <laughs> uh, there were some really just gross moments, like when he wiped his forehead and then wiped it all over his chest Mm -hmm. Uh, john moxley bit his face Uh, so gross the crowd audibly was like oh like like (laughs) grossed out uh and then at the end of the match when regal shook his hand and he took his blood from his forehead and spelled bcc on his chest in blood a second time yeah um (sighs) it was awesome but it was like queasy you know (laughs) yeah um i think one of the danielson Hangman Page matches, uh, Danielson tried to do that too. I think it was the one with the judges because there's yes. the infamous Jerry Lynn match where he, uh, I think, took Carino's blood and wrote die on his <laughs> chest. Oh, God. Uh, but it felt like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, my fear is moving forward, like, okay, so Yuta has earned the respect. Mm-hmm. I don't know, storyline-wise, with with the BCC, like, is another person going to step up and try and earn that respect too and, like, go toe-to-toe with Danielson and go... That's kind of like what me and Andrew have speculated. Like, uh, one I throw, threw out was, like, Lee Moriarty possibly. Daniel Garcia was one that made sense. This is before the Jericho right. stable. But my fear is now, like, is the template get stretched by Brian Danielson and then get gigged open by John Moxley? I think you're going to get diminishing returns if if that's something you try to emulate with every person that kind of steps up to the Blackpool Combat Club. For one thing, one, they don't all need to bleed, and two, nothing's going to top what we just saw with Wheeler Yuta. Like, everything's going to pale in comparison, so you need to shelf that for a while, I think. Um, yeah. Because we live in a world of comparison. We live in an age where we compare what we saw on Dynamite to what's happening on Raw to what's happening on SmackDown on NXT. Nobody's going to bleed like that for quite some time. Like that's, it made me think of like Eddie and JBL, like the Muda scale, like that's an all time crimson mask. Um, and I think it would be in their best benefit to put that on pause because I think that helps Yuta if nobody else bleeds like that for a while, you know? Uh, so here's my question. So Wheeler Yuta, by the way, heck of a week for this guy, uh, a little bit in the shadow of FTR, but Great match with Moxley, uh, mm-hmm. and I love the story there too because one of his first matches on AWTV was yep. just getting crushed by John Moxley in like in seven seconds. seconds. Yeah, yeah, just gets in the ring. I think he got caught with a springboard or something. Boom into a kind of a sloppy uh, DDT uh, where it almost looks like a suplex. <laughs> you know, he does mm-hmm. that sometimes, and it lasted like seconds. So I like the progression there. Um, you know, he went toe to toe with Brian in a good match. Uh, I think the Moxley match was better, by the way. Um, and he's also yeah he's also the the ring of honor pure champion yeah um i I think that match was better than it got credit for but Mm -hmm. the crowd was just dead oh the danielson match 
Yeah, uh, the uh, match uh, with Josh uh, Woods at oh, Ring of oh, Honor for the pure title, because yeah, that right was in went. between the two matches. Yeah, yeah, tough spot to be. <laughs> yeah, and um, it, it's really cool to me, because it goes back to that long-term um, storytelling from from Tony Khan, and, you know, who knows if Regal was in the plans at the beginning of this, but, I mean, Wheeler Yuta was huge on the indies right mm. before he joined um aew um yeah even though it was in the pandemic like he was winning a lot um here's a trivia question for you see this is something andrew andrew would do <laughs> do you know who wheeler yuda was in chikara okay let me guess so he's gotta have a mask yep um he was not an ant correct um correct uh i don't know post ant but- I, what's that? Post ant? I don't know, but I'm going to see if I can make an educated guess here. He's not Dasher Hatfield. He's not. Hmm. No, I don't know. I give. Silverhawk. Do you remember the Hawks? Oh, towards yeah. The end of the... Okay, yeah. Wow. Okay, cool. So he was doing that when he was like Gosh, 19, that, 20 years old. Yeah, jeez. Hmm. Yeah, so... And he has a, a match against Brandon Thurston. From beyond, really? Yes. <laughs> the the WrestleNomics guy. <laughs> yes, uh, uh, well received match. Wow. Okay, that's awesome. I have not seen that. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's obviously a guy who, if you only watch AEW, this feels right. out of nowhere. Um, yeah. But I think was... it's, I think it's very smart because even too like when this this group started and Rish and I kind of were the voice that so many other people said. You speculate on who who joins. I think Daniel Garcia was the name that most people pegged. Uh, Daniel Garcia, Lee Moriarty were the two, I think, that a lot of people said, oh, those guys should be in that group. I didn't see a lot of people say, if anybody, say Wheeler Yuta. Um, so it kind of seemed like out of left field. But man, when you rewatch it all, it all just is so well done. You know, the tag match um, where with him and Chuck where – uh, gosh, I love Chuck Taylor. He did not look great in that tag match. Uh, he looked, maybe it was just mm-hmm. because he was in there with guys that are so, so good, but he didn't look his best. Uh, you know, Yuta comes back to the ring, gets slapped for his troubles. Uh, yeah, that's when I knew. Yeah. That was the part where I knew that's yeah. where they were going. Yeah, and then the, the two singles matches. So I suppose maybe the follow-up that we'll see seems to be Wheeler Yuta develops this killer at uh, this killer personality and he takes it out on Trent Beretta. Would you agree? That seems to make the most sense. Yeah. Because th- that's part of the storytelling, yeah. right? He joined the best friends. Yep. He was kind of the, the wacky sidekick, not even the wacky sidekick. He was like the straight man. Yeah. Because, you know, Taylor, Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy had a uh, hand in training him. Yep. Then Trent comes back. Yep. It's like, what's he doing here? <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't involved in this. And th- since Trent came back, there was always this, little tension between the two of them Mm -hmm. and so i'm don't know exactly if this was the plan all along but there's clearly at some point going to be either some respect between the two of them or they were going to have to fight to work it out right and it made perfect sense that he was the one to then split and be like hey you know i want to be taken seriously Mm -hmm. and you know you say i don't belong well here i am yeah, and you even see, uh, you know, Trent's kind of saying, "I told you so." Chuck being quiet and not really sure, and Orange Cassidy is also very quiet about yeah. this and not really showing 
any signs. But yeah, it's uh, it, it is good storytelling. He doesn't need to be aligned. He was basically uh, like kind of like enhancement talent. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, absolutely. Losing most, yeah. losing most of his matches. Yeah. And now all of a sudden he went from losing in seconds to kicking out of the paradigm shift and like the... I know it has a name in New Japan that I can't think of, but basically the super paradigm shit. Yeah, like the one that's like almost a DDT brain buster almost, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That shocked me. That yeah, same out, here. Actually, I completely bit on that finish. Yep, yep. And, and then he went right from that into the rollover choke, mm-hmm. and you hear the crowd deflate a little bit, and I think they were so thinking that Yuta was going to win. And like I had a thought, I'm like, should he have won that match? And I'm like, no, I think they made the right call with him losing one more time but earning the respect because it wouldn't make sense to be like uh and now we can beat moxley you know right uh but he took literally everything that moxley had uh and gave him a lot of the same stuff you know like the bulldog choke. i thought the bulldog choke uh was gonna be it uh earlier because uh, mm-hmm. he kicked out of the paradigm shift and then moxley went right into the bulldog choke and i'm like oh that's it uh but nope he fought back he put moxley in a bulldog choke himself then he got hit with the the elbows uh, then the super paradigm shift, then the rollover into the sleepers, almost like spamming finishers if you're playing right. WWE and video games. So uh, really great stuff. Um, and I, I think it just lends to the credibility of AEW. Yes, they have a lot of talent from WWE and things like that. I'm, I'm somebody, I don't care where these people come from. If people are good, I want to see them on my TV. And if they're not good, I don't care where they are. Um, but they're building up their own guys, you know. Uh, and let's segue into a couple other guys that have been built pretty well through AEW. We've got an MJF and a Wardlow feud that's, uh, would we say it's at full boil at this point? Is, is the pot bubbling and overflowing? It, that is a great question because that interference yeah, or lack kept- of interference in the punk MJF match. Yep. Uh, was almost more important than the match itself. Mm-hmm. And now that kind of Wardlow is banned, he does have a kind of a Goldberg vibe to him between, yeah. you know, first the Powerbomb Symphony, but now um, coming in and taking out all of the, um, gosh, what the security type people. Yep. And how long, I don't know how long you can keep doing that for. Right. I'm assuming it will be at the next pay-per-view at mm-hmm. double or nothing where they'll finally lock up but uh yeah people are ready but also how many times are going to be able to beat mjf right exactly that's that's the tough part like he did get the win over punk but he lost the feud um mm-hmm. and it, i i can't think of any way where he should beat wardlow let's be real um even by shenanigans i think wardlow needs to decisively defeat him mm-hmm but then that, like you said, that weakens MJF. So I, I, I think they've still got a little bit of steam uh, because right now they're at Wardlow's barred from the buildings, but he's trying to bust through security. We still have the moment where he gets to powerbomb. Um, uh, gosh, I almost called him Stasiak. Uh, <laughs> Ty Dillinger, you know. Uh, Sean Spears. Yeah, yeah. Sean Spears. I was, Sean Stasiak was stuck in my brain. I'm like, I guess we could do that. That would be a weird segment. <laughs> but uh, we, we could still have him get his hands on Sean Spears and just decimate him for some satisfaction before he actually gets to MJF. Um, 
and then they kind of threw a nice little wrinkle in this past week with uh, Captain Captain uh, Sean Dean. Is that his name? Yes. Uh, who holds a win over MJF? Uh, he was facing Sean Spears, and I'm not a big fan of the distraction finishes. In fact, I thought it was a really kind of a. I didn't like how that's how Punk beat Wardlow. Mm-hmm. I thought this was really well done, where Wardlow showed up, was just obliterating security and stuff, and Sean Spears was, like, freaked and confused and scared, and uh, ca- the captain got a roll-up, so now he holds wins over both uh, MJF and uh, and uh, Sean Spears. And this week on Dynamite, he's got a rematch against MJF, so we'll see where that goes. I can't imagine he gets a second win over MJF. I actually kind of hope he does not. Um but yeah, it's, it's a feud that I feel like we need to talk about, even though it's sort of in a holding pattern. Like you said, I think the pay-per-view is still, I, I don't think it's till May. So they've still got several weeks to go, and where the storyline is that Wardlow can't be there, there's only so much you can do every week before he finally busts through and gets his hands on somebody. Uh, I do think it's smart that he's not having matches, um, because when he does get in and do that, who, who knew that just power bombing someone seven times would get somebody <laughs> over? <laughs> you know, like sometimes uh, it's simple. You don't have to do like tucks and curls and spins. It's just drop him on his head a few more times. Uh, and there's a there's some times where Wardlow does that symphony of power bombs, and they look so vicious. Right. Like, they look really really snug, man. Um, and I don't know if that's intentional. I don't know if he's just a really good worker. I don't know if he's an inexperienced worker. I don't know what it is. But there's times where it takes the breath out of me <laughs> watching these guys <laughs> get hit four, five, six times. Um, but, yeah, uh, I, I think we're we're kind of still in a holding pattern. There's not a whole lot to say about that one. Would you agree right now? Yeah, I, I would think so. It's been a, a couple weeks. And at some point, the story will be what do they do with the contract? Sure, yeah. And that's really what – I mean – being a wrestling fan long enough, we can kind of read the tea leaves and say, obviously, it seems like he'll have to wrestle MJF for his freedom. Kind of like a Ted DiBiase Virgil thing, you know, <laughs> like uh, for for modern day. Um, Steve, let me shift the topic real quick on you for a second. All right. MJF, I think, uh, had had a stranglehold on the being the biggest heel in the company. Have Sammy Guevara and Ty Conti taken over that role? <laughs> yeah, that's not going over very well, is no, it? No, no. Uh, it feels like people have tried this before, and it always backfires. And I don't want to slam our own people, because we are wrestling fans too, Steve. Mm-hmm. But I've been to a lot of live shows, and I... I see the sea of crowds that surround me and basically coming out and saying, I'm really cool. And I have sex with a hot girl. Doesn't make people like you that much. Right. <laughs> I, you know, uh, I think it evokes maybe some jealousy or hatred. Uh, I don't know what they're doing with Sammy. Um, I think Sammy was, was in a nice little groove when he won that TNT title. Uh, I was even fine with the Scorpio Sky feud, but Ty Conti adding her to the mix. And I don't really have a problem with her as a performer, but putting them together has been like on-screen poison for me. It is. When Dan Very Lambert quickly. is the babyface. Like, <laughs> that, that, and that's another a whole thing that I just do not understand is Dan Lambert with Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. I have never understood no. yeah. the combination when... 
their whole gimmick is that they're the men of the year and they're the best dressed and yeah. and they still are and and Dan Lambert is the biggest schlub in AEW. Right. Yeah. Like there was he a, wears ill-fitting t-shirts and ill-fitting jeans. Yeah. There was just, a, a segment where somebody was going after him, and Jericho mentioned his pasty white belly when yeah. it was shown. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I've been ringing the bell about let, let Ethan Page loose for mm-hmm. for quite some time. I think that guy's the best performer that they're not utilizing right now in their company. I mean, not counting like a Miro who's not even on screen or anything like that, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, Miro's injured, yeah. from what I understand. Right. But, um, yeah, and that's the other thing with Lambert is you don't need him with Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. Oh, they can both talk. Also, because they can both talk great. Right. right. <laughs> I mean, Ethan Page is one of the absolute best. Yeah, I mean, it, Lambert's effective at talking. Uh, if, sometimes it feels very scripted, like he, he, yeah. he has it very memorized. But it does get good crowd heat, like for the, the live crowds. Uh, there was actually a little tidbit that Andrew had texted me about that apparently his uh, seg- on-air segment with Brandy Rhodes caused some real-life friction. Apparently Brandy did not like some other things that he said. I uh, can't mm. imagine what it could be, perhaps calling her a prostitute. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, um, I don't know about Dan Lambert. Like, there was a stretch where I was like, oh, this guy's really cool. But I think, like, his time might have expired for me. I, th- I think I could... I could live with with him being gone for a while. I do like him wearing the belt. I think that's so cheesy. Him wearing right. the second belt, but yeah, have the men of the year just be the men of the year on their on their own. I think they'd be just as good. Uh, heck, there's another tag team right there. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what else do we want to talk about. See what are uh, some matches that you've seen in the past couple weeks that uh, we haven't really hit on that you uh, think are worth watching. Well, I'm glad you asked that. Okay. Um, there's one Let's that you see. were not a fan of that I think will go against the grain a little bit. Uh, you told me you did not like uh, Adam Cole versus yeah. uh, Christian Cage. Yes, that is right. I I like Adam Cole. I know there are people who do not like some of his in-ring stuff. Sure. I, I think he's a really, really good storyteller. Mm-hmm. I have not really enjoyed Christian anything he's done since the Omega matches. Right. Um, right. He just feels like um, the, and and don't get me wrong, I feel this way myself sometimes, but like the old guy hanging out with the young kids. <laughs> yep, yep. And there's no reason for him to even really be around. And, and for this match, I thought usually when on AEW, both Rampage and Dynamite, they start off with a really hot match. Yep. And in this case, I think they started with a really hot entrance because after that, it just kind of dragged. And for usually on Dynamite, like I, I just don't have usually two hour blocks of time. Sure. Um, so I, I split up my wrestling, um, which is great because then I can enjoy it each day. Uh, but usually with Dynamite, the first like 40 minutes just absolutely flies, flies by. Yeah. And, and then I'll take a break and come back to it. But this one, I was just like, oh, they going to go do something else. And like picture and picture, oh, they're just slapping on a chin lock and stuff. And it was it was very much a just basic match, in my opinion. I was surprised to see it get so much so much love. Yeah. And then later on, when you had FTR versus the Young Bucks, that's going to be a match you don't even think about anymore. Right. Yeah. Uh, not the Young Bucks match, the Adam Cole match. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I'm with you, though. Like, I think sometimes in wrestling, and again, listen, I'm not a professional wrestler. I've never trained a day in my life. And I know there's kind of a mindset of until you've stepped in the ring, you, you... I think that's such a goofy wrestling mentality because, like, I've never directed a movie, but I can have an opinion on movies, you know? Right. But I think sometimes wrestlers fall for this idea that if it's long, it's good. And this match was 15 minutes, and it felt like 35. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, I, I wonder if it would have been a crisp, like, eight if that would have worked, you know? Um Because, like you mentioned, like the chin locks and stuff, if we cut that stuff out and just have a little sprint... I think you could have been just as effective uh, and it would have been a fine match and you could still tell the same story because basically this was a, a nothing match just to give Cole a win because he's getting ready to face uh, Paige in, in a Texas death match. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of with you. I, I feel like there's, there is a little bit of hive mind in the wrestling community like where, you know, Adam Cole is good, so all Adam Cole matches are good. Mm-hmm. Well, not really. You know, I think he's good too, but that doesn't mean every time he's in the ring, it's going to be good. Sometimes guys can have stinkers. Sometimes I wouldn't even say it stunk so much as like just kind of said, average. Yeah, like you said, like I would never recommend someone, oh, you got to go back and watch an Adam Cole match. You, you got to see that. Especially with the picture in picture. By the way, picture in picture, I'm so done with <laughs> AEW. Like, every stinking match has it. Like, th- th- that was the one thing that really took me out of the Utah. Uh, Moxley match was they went to picture in picture I'm like no why like just go full commercial before the match and give us this whole thing because like I don't watch the picture Ugh. anyways that's another thing this one I did but there is um, you know if, if people are gonna put down WWE for having like a very similar pattern all the time like sure. guy gets thrown out of the ring and, we're going and, to break yeah yeah <laughs> we'll be back with this in a minute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like AEW should get the same criticism too, because with the picture in picture, it is heel takes control yep. for the whole, right before the break. And then holds on to control almost the entire time. Yep. If not the whole time, then as soon as they come back, the baby face takes right over again. Yep. Uh, you, you could almost like just see the referee say, "Okay, we're back." Right. <laughs> um, I have liked it when they've tried to mix it up. I remember Darby Allen. I think actually won a match. Yes, I was thinking that as you're explaining that, I'm like, I know there was a match where where it ended in picture in picture, but I couldn't think of what it was. I don't mind that. No, as I think it's good a, as long as it's not like a main event match. I don't mind it if it's going to be a surprise because then I'll actually pay attention. Mm-hmm. I did pay more attention during the Moxley Yuta match, but for the most part, I'm checking my phone yeah. or, or, or grabbing something else because it is such, uh, it's just like on repeat at this point. And, uh, right. They try I, to, they try to sell it as not a commercial, but it's a commercial. It's a commercial. Yeah. I, I think honestly, the only person who's really found a creative way we we just kind of bash him a little bit, but I th- I think the Sammy Guevara card thing was an interesting way to hold attention yeah. during picture in picture for a bit. I mean, you can't sustain that, but it it was creative, you know. Yeah, um, it's a promo. Yeah, basically. exactly. A promo with words, you know, uh, with words on a card, like on cue cards. So, uh, but yeah, I'm not a big picture picture guy. But anyways, back to what I was saying. I I think it's okay. You know, to say that a guy you like had a match you didn't like. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam Cole Christian was 
something that I couldn't even remember really anything about the match um, other than Adam Cole wins, you know, <laughs> like, and, and, and was that ever in doubt, <laughs> you know, like, so, I mean, 15 minutes of forgettable stuff is not the best way to start a show, but uh, I think that's a rare miss though. I will, I will give AEW credit there. It's a rare miss. Um, we got Cole taking on Hangman Page um, on Rampage, which Bravo to AW because I've been ringing this bell for for a minute now that Rampage is the show where nothing happens. Yep. Um, and so now we've got this great Wheeler Yuta match, and it will it won't reflect in the ratings right away. I will say this: you know, if all of a sudden you say, "Okay, we got to make Rampage important," it's not going to be an immediate snap your fingers. Ratings are better. It's going to take some time to rehab, uh, but they're heading in the right direction. They put Danielson on Rampage. They put the Moxley Yuta thing on Rampage. They're putting a title match on Rampage, and now it's likely that Page is going to retain. But this might be the first world title defense that Rampage has had. Um, they need to have stuff happen on Rampage. Uh, the, the most damning criticism I can give about it is not that the wrestling's bad. It's not that the promos are bad. It's that you can miss Rampage and not be behind on any storylines by next Wednesday. Um, yeah, for the I most know, part. Yeah, and I know the ratings came out right before we went on, and they did see a huge jump. And oh, maybe they did. that was yeah, yeah. it was uh, I think six hundred thousand. Yeah, because they uh, were they were around the four hundred thousand before. Uh, which yeah, is pretty low. <laughs> and, and if they have, I, I think it will be higher with the Page Cole match because it's going to be live. Well, yeah. let me take that back because I think it's on um, an earlier time. Yeah, they've been hyping it like okay. seven o'clock my time, which I think is like six your time. So and then four. Yeah, so on like the West, West Coast, Coast so might really not even. Hard. Yeah, Todd Todd Weber's going to be home from work. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So unless they do uh, tape delay for that. Yeah, uh, for, uh, on the West Coast, but. Um, so it did go up, and, and it's possible that, you know, all the hype of that Yuta-Moxley match, because some people, had, you know, obviously people talk, um, might have driven some people in. Or a lot of times, I just think it's coincidence. Like, sure. one big hop could be anything. It could be what was on TV yep. on opposite. It could be that the weather was really nice, <laughs> right. Uh, right. and so it's lower. Or there were a lot of brainstorms across the country. Like, I think we put too much... Uh, credence into rating sometimes it's more um like you said waiting for long term to see if there is any effects from that if you put on stuff that is with turning in tuning into right uh, yeah i i agree i i think you have to be content with ebbs and flows in the ratings sometimes it's going to jump up to a spike and there might not be a real reason for it you know mm-hmm. like I, one of the best examples is the weird the weird, like, fact that the bunny, like, outdrew <laughs> WWE head-to-head. Yeah, like, SmackDown. <laughs> yeah, outdrew SmackDown head-to-head. Such a weird, obscure, true thing mm-hmm. that really, it doesn't doesn't mean that the bunny's a draw in any way. There's another match that had blood that uh, didn't need it. Was the bunny in, was it Ty Conti? Yeah. Uh, it was another bloodbath for the sake of being a bloodbath. But, yeah, uh, I'm not... I read the ratings, but I don't wring my hands over them, and I don't, like, throw a party over them either because, to me, as a fan, the only way I should really care about ratings is if they dip so low that my favorite show is in danger of being taken off the air, and I don't think AEW is in any danger of that, even with a dip in Rampage ratings. But, as a fan, I'm more concerned as if the show that I'm watching is worth my time, and Rampage, I won't say it's not worth my time, but when it first started, I was watching it on Friday nights. Uh, 
Then it started dipping into Saturday mornings. Then it was kind of a match on Saturday morning, maybe the second match Sunday morning. Now it gets to the point where like, oh, shoot, Dynamite's on tonight. I better fast forward through Rampage last week. <laughs> you know, uh, that's what I'm more concerned with in the ratings is the quality of the show and uh, the importance of the show. And they, they, they've taken a big dip, but this past week, hopefully, is a course correction rather than a misnomer. So... Uh, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. We'll see. Um, prior to Yuta and Danielson and Moxley showing up, Rampage has kind of been Hook's show, Swerve's show, and Keith Lee's show. Um, it still is mm-hmm. Hook's show. I don't think Hook is ever even on Dynamite at all. No. Um, Hook and Danhausen have this weird thing where apparently Hook cannot be cursed. Uh, Dan Housen is flummoxed by it. He thinks it could be the potato chips that he eats. <laughs> so goofy. Uh, and there's people who will hate on that. Like, whatever, man. If that bothers you, like... It's a 30-second right, right, like, uh, clip. Exactly. You know, I mean, you could literally walk into the kitchen and come back and it's over. Like, come on now. Um, but Keith Lee and Swerve have kind of been having a fun little feud on Rampage with uh, Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs. Powerhouse Hobbs is really uh, shooting up my ladder as a guy that I'm really enjoying. Uh, what do you think about Keith Lee and Swerve so far as uh, newer additions? Are they fitting in? Are they being mishandled? Uh, do you have any thoughts there? I think uh, Swerve is doing amazing. Yep. Uh, he, I, I don't understand how people missed with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and not just wwe or nxt like even lucha underground yeah like put him in a mask in camouflage uh, like his whole career i think he's been misused i think he was an evolve too and he was like because I, I went to several evolve shows he was usually like second match third match like in evolve. Yeah. like jason kincaid's out there after him like come on now <laughs> <laughs> like, but, but he can do like parkour uh yeah I, and you, you had just mentioned like some matches that I'd seen over the last couple of weeks. Um, one that I enjoyed, it wasn't like this fantastic match or anything like that, but um, the first match on the proper card of, of Super Card of Honor was Swerve Strickland against Alex Zane. Mm, yeah. And that was, you know, the two NXT guys who got let go, but, you know, both were indie guys well beforehand. Sure. Um, and that was a really fun one. Um, Belzer gave it three and a quarter stars, but it was, it was like a fun opener with, uh, Lots of flips and kicks, and mm-hmm. but done really well. Um, although there was a Canadian destroyer from the apron to the floor. No, oh it, was a poison, it was a poison rana from the apron to the floor that I thought killed Swerve. <laughs> uh, killed him dead. But that's been really fun. Um, I, I've, I, I'm the only thing about Keith Lee that I'm slightly concerned about is I'm worried that after he was sick for so long. Yep. He just doesn't look like he's moving the same. Yep. Um, and I've noticed it a couple times now, and I noticed that even, and I'm not going to be sitting here crapping on somebody's weight by any means, but he, he's just, he's a step or two slower. Yeah, I agree. Uh, even like, I think he did like a leapfrog, and it just wasn't, like I almost was worried that the guy was going to run into him, that he didn't get high enough. Yeah. So hopefully he'll get that back as he gets more reps and is able to do like, um, I, I think I, you know, Brett, who we just talked about at the beginning of the show, said he heard an interview where Keith Lee said he wasn't able to do cardio for, like, months. Oh, wow. So, yeah, be, just because of COVID. So Yeah, uh, he, COVID really knocked him down for the count for a while. Yeah. So. He's just a presence. Yes. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even going back to his debut several weeks back, like when he did did that giant beel toss, like simple big man stuff that just yes. like and credit to a private party. I think it was I don't know if it was Isaiah or Marquez. It was Isaiah. It was yeah. Isaiah. Man, what a jump! Like what a way to make somebody look like a million bucks. But but the way Keith Lee just almost shrugs it off, like yeah, I did that. It's so mm-hmm. like perfect. Uh, but also to add to your criticisms, not even criticisms, more observations. I'm with you there because like even in that first debut match, I don't know if you remember, can re- recall this, he was sweating so profusely in that mm-hmm. that I was like, wow, okay, he looks a little off. Uh, but you know, <laughs> I'm gonna have the Rudy Giuliani his uh, his beard dye. Start. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stained <laughs> down his cheek. He's not limitless anymore. So, uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. Like I think his stuff's been been fine uh, i like the the hobbs match against keith lee yeah a mm-hmm. uh, little 10 minute uh hoss match uh we, we can talk about some hosses in a second um but i i don't even think it's a case of like oh he got lazy or anything i think the man suffered from i mean we're in a pandemic <laughs> like there's a lot of people who like to think that we aren't anymore but we're still in in this pandemic and he really got hit with it pretty hard and i mean if he can't do cardio that, that that's a big part of your energy and your uh your ability to to last longer in these matches and stuff like that like he could lift the weights but if he can't do cardio he's going to be blown up two minutes in so it's just going to be kind of a, a journey back and i'm confident he can get there um but i'm with you like i i don't even want to say he's lost a step so much as he's got to regain that step because to say he lost a step suggests that maybe he's not getting it back i think he can i think he will yeah, yeah. so um but I enjoyed them both. Uh, I don't want to say that Rampage is a demotion of anything. I'm glad that they're giving them more time on Rampage rather than a 30-second thing on Dynamite. Ricky Starks is awesome. I love Ricky Starks. Uh, he's so much fun. And, and Have they had the tag yet with Ricky and Hobbs versus Keith Lee? That and, is and Swerve? this That's week. That would, have, that would have happened this past yes. Wednesday a couple days yes. ago. It was a great match. Yes, it was great. <laughs> I loved it. The finish was perfect. <laughs> Interesting, though, that that has taken place entirely on Rampage, Mm -hmm. but the tag team match is going to happen on Dynamite. Right, right. So maybe they'll give us a video package. Like, uh, that's something AEW doesn't do. They expect the viewers to be up to speed. Mm -hmm. And that's something they could learn from WWE. Like, I could turn on Monday Night Raw tonight, and every match is going to be explained to me. Uh, Dynamite kind of assumes you know what's going on, which I, I don't think is the best way to go about things, but... Uh, what else can we talk about, Steve? Um, should the Hardys be wrestling anymore? <laughs> Not every week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is one of those things, uh, they kind of, they, they come back and they get back together and they go around the, around yeah, the horn. Do the circuit, and, yep. Yeah, do the circuit and pop the crowd. I was more hoping that they were going to do limited matches. Agreed. Before they retire. Agreed. Uh, do another match with the box, um, you know, go against the, the Lucha Bros, go against Jurassic Express, you know, yeah. stuff like that. And um, and before they re- retire, just just have, you know, a few months of it because. Um, Not a big I, Butcher I, and Blade fan. Is, huh, Steve? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm just tables matches. Ugh. Right. They're so overdone. It's like another thing. Like that just feels so beyond us at this point mm-hmm. because tables are used. It's in every wrestling organization. At least they're not doors. <laughs> uh, like, 
<laughs> Tables are too expensive in the indie, so they use doors now. Oh my gosh. That sounds horrible. Yeah, they're like really cheap uh uh base. You haven't seen these doors? I mean, maybe I haven't. I just assumed they were tables. I don't know. Like Yeah, there there are tons of tons of doors now on the indies and it's it's funny because it makes no sense. No, like, yeah, not would, at all. Are the they forbidden like, doors? <laughs> yeah, it makes sense there's a spare table. What if the table at ringside breaks that they're sitting at? Okay, I can I can uh, suspend my disbelief on that, but like, yeah, I just happen to have six doors under the ring. Right. <laughs> uh, okay, I, I'm going to have to keep my eye out for that because I'm sure I've seen it happen, and maybe I just assumed, if I didn't see it get pulled out and set up, maybe if the clip I saw was already set up, maybe I just assumed it was a table, and sure enough, it was a door. <laughs> have you have you heard the thing online like the debate between doors and wheels what are there more of in our world doors or wheels i have heard this yeah do you think that maybe it's it's big wheel uh trying to eliminate the doors do you think that's what's behind all this the big wheel keeps on turning yeah <laughs> yeah it does and we're rolling we're rolling mm-hmm. rolling down the river let's keep on rolling with uh our show highlights we're trying to jumping around all over the place uh, before we get into Reesh's questions, Andrew gave us a, a good set of questions. Is there anything else you want to discuss uh, that you think warrants a couple minutes of our of our time? Hmm. This is I a feel, good question. Yeah, I feel like we haven't mentioned any of the female stuff, but it's uh, a lot of it seems to be in a holding pattern anyways. Yeah. Um, it feels like they're building to Jade Cargill versus Marina Shafir over multiple weeks, which is really weird yeah. because we haven't seen Marina Shafir at all at all right yeah except for a couple matches on darks yeah on it's, darks. it's another thing where they expect the audience to to keep up and like she's gonna come out to to like a, a wet fart you know that's gonna be her debut right? i think i'm worried it's gonna be at battle of the belts yeah it could be that that long off yeah oh i mean that is this saturday uh so as this this show drops on friday it's tomorrow uh as it's recording i think only one match has been announced and it's um Thunder Rosa and Nyla Rose. That's the only match we know of right now. Well, okay, then it won't be Jade Cargill because we can't have two women's matches on one show. Yeah, God forbid. Especially an hour show. <laughs> God forbid. So, I, I honestly don't know what else is at Battle of the Belts. I'm guessing maybe like Red Dragon and Jurassic Express. Although I think they're wrestling on Dynamite. It's on Dynamite, so. too. They're, they're calling it Championship Week. So, um, mm-hmm. I mean, here's a question for you. Sure. Um, and this goes into a question that Andrew had about um should they do some sort of host type title yeah uh with all the big men that they have now and we championship week and they have multiple championships so many that they can do a couple on each night mm-hmm. i i'm a little bit concerned about that if you have all the ring of honor belts <laughs> right because wheeler you just showed up with the pure title yep ftr defended the uh tag titles and then you have Minoru Suzuki versus Samoa Joe so now the TV title is showing up mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if they're going to do anything with Gresham but that that is uh, like getting to WWE level of, of championships really quick yep I agree I, I, I thought it was a mistake to have Yuta bring the pure championship out uh, for one like it's not he's not defending the title why bring it Mm-hmm. Uh, and two, he lost the match, so that that just hurts Ring of Honor's uh, image, you know. Uh, to be like, hey, here's one of their champions; he loses, you know. <laughs> like, right. Uh, but no, I'm with you there, especially if they're trying. Like the one I don't mind, I like FTR having the 
the Ring of Honor and the AAA belts. And I think it'd be cool if they win the tag belts to, to have all three sets that like an Ultimo Dragon type thing. I'm okay yeah. with that. Um, but like you said, I mean, two women's belts. We don't need two women's belts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Battle of the Belts, like, I mean, even Ricky Starks, the FTW title. Why? Right. <laughs> why? Uh, I, I guess, like, they think, well, that way we're doing something with him. Well, having him wear a belt isn't doing anything with anybody. I can put a belt on right now, Steve. Yes. <laughs> like, well, um, New Japan would have this problem, too, especially during the pandemic, where... They're, I think, one of their most recent cards, and the one coming up, there's nine matches, and seven of them are for titles. Yeah, gosh, come on. So, yeah, what is a, the title doesn't mean anything at all. Right. Um, you could do it. I do enjoy, uh, and Excalibur's really good at this, where he'll bring up that, like, these people are also a champion in other organizations. Sure. sure. Um, or it could be like, hey, we recently won the Ring of Honor Pure title on Super Card of Honor, and he doesn't have to be the champion or, or this person had I, I think they even did it once with house of black that you know recently won the pwg tag mm-hmm. team titles yep I, i'm okay with that with acknowledging the fact that it exists but to have everyone with belts diminishes it so i i'm i'm not in favor of bringing any new titles since there's right and I, yeah there's two ring of honor titles at this point too right i uh, women, think like women titles. i mean i think it's very possible that we will see a title change with Samoa Joe beating Suzuki. I think it might make sense if Suzuki's not going to stay stateside. Right. Um, so, like, I think it's weird to have, like, a Ring of Honor title change hands on Dynamite. Mm-hmm. Like, wh- why do I need to watch Ring of Honor? You know, like if, if the title changes are happening on Dynamite. Like, Tony bought Ring of Honor, and, like, I thought... When he bought it, I thought it was like just buying the library to get a streaming service off the ground, which I think is a smart move. You know, you got 20 years of history now. Boom. Um, the fact that he's going to continue it as a promotion, cool. Uh, but let's not muddy the waters too much. You know, let's uh, let's try to keep these promotions as separate entities. And there's a little bit of commingling can happen, but let's not make it so muddy that Ring of Honor is really just a stable more than it is a company. Right. My hope is that while they flesh all of it out and figure out what they're going to do, that this is just a temporary thing to keep it in people's minds until they figure out TV or streaming or if they're just going to do like pay-per-view type events like Supercard of Honor. I I mean, Supercard of Honor was an anomaly since it was already announced by Ring of Honor. They just happened to book it. Right. Yeah. You could write there like they, they... don't really have their plans set in stone, possibly. So rather than just, you know, out of sight, out of mind, let's keep that Ring of Honor name in in your ears and in our mouths. Uh, so that's smart, I guess. Um, but if they do start booking dates, then get these guys in these belts off this show and keep them on that show, <laughs> you know. Um, by the way, Samoa Joe debuted. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, there really is something to the sheer amount of debuts uh lessening the the hype uh maybe not the importance but the hype you know like samojo debuted cool and we haven't even talked about it till 80 minutes into the show you know right because he debuted with ring of honor yep and so like oh cool he's gonna be in ring of honor but then he showed up on yeah just for a basic match for the owen hart qualifier tournament which another thing we haven't mentioned yet but they're, they're just in qualifying stages so we don't really need to talk about that too much but yeah uh samojo would be a great addition to the hoss division if they went that way 
Uh, you got Joe, you got Keith Lee, you got Brody, uh, Brody King, you've got Hobbs, uh, even Brian Cage, who is now a, a Ring of Honor guy. Um, they, they got some big boys. Wardlow's in there. Uh, to quote Big E, they could have some big meaty men slapping meat, Steve, <laughs> if they want it. You know. <laughs> so, uh, let's go to the questions. Andrew uh-huh. is currently. Uh, let me check his location. We share each other's location on our iPhones. Let's check where he's at. Oh, he's on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. So, uh, he's currently yo ho hoing. Uh, we will read his question, Steve. First question mm-hmm. for you: What is more entertaining, Battle of the Belts or Battle of the B- Bots? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I must have skipped over this one. <laughs> so this refers to a recent Tony Khan tweet. Yeah, bizarre um, man. It was really bizarre. Or maybe it was a yeah, it was a tweet and part of an interview. I think too. Yeah. Where he said that a lot of AEW criticism that he sees is basically from a few accounts that have bots, and it all looks the same. And <laughs> wow stop yeah like it's okay to be criticized and you're probably right just like any social media sure. account criticizing anything or praising stuff because you could probably just say that there are a lot of people pra- uh praising that are also bots right yeah that's just the the lay of the land like it, it's okay to be criticized there will be people who criticize aew because they're strictly a WWE fan, and there'll be yep. people who criticize WWE because they're strictly an AEW fan. Yep. Um, it's, I mean, that's all or nothing thinking. No, no pun intended with double or nothing. It but does. It's yeah. Democrats and Republicans. You know, it's all the, the either or, and the other one can't do any good. So just like, don't like just follow it. Like, yeah. Because it just makes you look bad. <laughs> so uh, in terms of more entertaining, um. I got more of a kick out of that one tweet, but I will also forget it. Right. Uh, I'll, I'll forget it immediately. And then there will be WWE fans uh, three months from now who will reference this to try to own an AEW fan. Correct. Just stop that, by the yep. way. Stop. Yep. There's there's some real big trolls on Twitter, man. Like, there's one guy. His name is like, I think his name is WWE something, like WWE Gareth. I think mm-hmm. is his name. And he's got like thousands of followers. And like he literally it's clear that he's playing a role. Like he's playing he's an right. act. And it's clear like he, he literally has played the role of if AEW does it, it sucks. If WWE does it, it's great. Like he's a huge Cody fan now. Mm-hmm. Uh and like to me, people getting bent out of shape at this guy, like, you're doing exactly what this guy's hoping you'll do. Mm-hmm. You know, or or the guys who like praise him and retweet him, same thing. Like th- this guy might be an AEW fan just getting a kick out of this. <laughs> who knows? You know, like uh, I, I don't know. Um, it's like Jim Cornette. Yeah, exactly. Like Jim Cornette's working everybody. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's working his fans, and he's working the people who hate him. He is a carny. Mm-hmm. He knows he's a carny, and he's trying to make money. When he's not able to, like, pretty much be hired by any wrestling yep. company whatsoever because he's burned every single bridge. Yep. But he's still making himself relevant. Yep. And kudos to him. I mean, I guess, you know, he's found a way to do that. I'm not particularly a fan, but, you know, like you said, he's he knows what he's doing. You know, he knows who his audience is and he knows who, who hates him. And uh, mm-hmm. he knows that sometimes you you get the outrage going that gets you more traction 
than the people who applaud you. Because the people who are outraged are likely to bring it up to others, you know? Like, <laughs> right. But anyways, Battle of the Belts or Battle of the Bots. Um, Battle of the Belts won stunk, man. I'm not going to lie. So I don't have high hopes for this one coming up this weekend. So Yeah, and nor do I. Yeah. So I think it's kind of a forgettable show. But all right, next question. Uh, because it looks like they're splitting them into new directions. <laughs> oh, Andrew. Andrew, uh, Andrew is such an AEW historian. He's like, he rivals Chad Campbell. Like Chad is my go-to, like this guy knows wrestling. Like I respect Chad's opinion so much. Andrew is an encyclopedia of all elite. All right. Mm -hmm. Because it looks like they're splitting them in new new directions. What is your favorite or maybe only memory of the AEW faction, the wingmen, Steve? Okay. (laughs) Um, I got a kick out of Drake. Uh, like dressing up in like these cheesy outfits. Yes. Um, <laughs> let that gut show, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, in all out, this most recent one, they had a little picnic thing uh, before the show, and they were like just kind of hanging out in their outfits, <laughs> talking to people. I thought it was pretty funny. Um, I, I'm excited for to see a couple Anthony Henry JD Drake matches cuz those are, that was a team I saw in Evolve just like oh, just yeah. like two or three times I saw them wrestle. So to see them wrestle one or two more times, I can see them being in like the ring like Ring of Honor. I think they fit really well there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, JD Drake is like a perfect example and I mean this in a absolutely positive way. He is a guy who should be having banger tag matches in front of 300 people. Mm-hmm. You know, like he doesn't really fit Looks wise on Dynamite, I get it. To me, looks are not a big deal, but the truth is they they matter. Uh, so you bring this guy; he's got a big old belly, but that guy can go, man. JD Drake, I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason I, I chuckled at this, at this question is I had no idea they were splitting them into new, into new directions. <laughs> this has got to be a dark thing, like I, uh, so I, I don't watch dark that much, and I don't even read results often. So I just rely on Andrew, and he's not here. He's Let's see. Oh, he's on the teacups right now, Steve. So he just gave, he texted me four and a half stars for the teacups in mm-hmm. Disney World. So um, I, I don't know what my favorite memory is because I don't think I have any of them in aid. <laughs> so, all right, Steve, next question. If I, and we'll say I as an Andrew, if Andrew makes an independent film, can he claim that he made it in Hollywood like the Hollywood hug Ryan Nemeth does? No, because Andrew doesn't like to fly. Um, I learned this on, I believe this very show, uh, it was either the show or the NBA team podcast. Um, so he would have to go to Atlanta, Georgia, cause I, I believe they still make a fair amount of films there. Okay. Okay. All right. So Hollywood Andrew Reich doesn't roll off the tongue so much. No, Atlanta Andrew. Okay. The Georgia, <laughs> Atlanta, Andrew. the Georgia peach himself. Or how about Hollywood, Florida, Andrew Reich? <laughs> <laughs> So I, I think Andrew brought this up. Andrew and I, way back in the day, both worked at Blockbuster Video, mm-hmm. um, and we both love we both love movies. And unfortunately, I haven't really in the last couple of years. You would think with COVID that I would have Seen really more. just bogged down. No, I, I have DVDs that are older than my children that are still <laughs> in the shrink wrap. Um, but yeah, but yeah, but that, that's where that's coming from. We can both have similar. Uh, we're like we're like movie bros. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I feel disclaimer to anyone listening. Steve's children are no longer in shrink wrap. They have been opened and uh, yeah. are breathing 
perfectly fine right now. Yeah, I caught uh, a hole in it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so here's another one that I'm not super sure on. In light of the viral <laughs> Julia Fox, my memoir is a masterpiece, quote, Can you name anything, Steve, that you have done in your life where you thought to yourself, I will never do it better than this? What would you call a true masterpiece? Well, that's the first question. Anything in your life where you thought to yourself, I will never do it better than this? Um. If you listen to the NBA team podcast, this is where Adam Murray would be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love these questions, though. <laughs> I, I I don't know what this is referencing. Um, I didn't know Julia Fox was still a thing. Yeah. Um, can I name anything in my life where I thought I would never do it better than this? Like, anything you feel like you've already peaked at, I guess. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> physical well-being. <laughs> There was one time at the start of COVID where I ordered a large pizza and I ate the entire pizza in about 25 minutes. Uh, and I thought I was pretty proud of myself. I, I that's don't know one of that's those, what we're going for, but. Uh, I, I have this conversation with with like my wife once in a while um, and then it grosses her out. And, <laughs> like I wonder, like how there's a coffee shop that I go to and um, they have like really good baked goods and sometimes they have peanut butter brownies is one of the things they have. And they're just like these huge brownies and basically like a quarter of a jar of like jip, like jiff oh, in between. Gosh. And it, it it's like Reese's peanut butter cups. And I know those are your favorite, oh, but yeah. just like turned to 11. And I just like, man, I wonder if I can eat that entire plate of six of those giant things. I think I could. I really do think I could. I wouldn't feel good afterwards. It's the same thing. Like, can I eat? An entire large Lottie's deep dish pizza by myself, I probably could. Right. But it's not going to be pleasant afterwards. Right. Right. Yeah, especially with cheese. But uh, Reese's, as much as I love this company, they have cashed in on our gluttony as, as a people. Yeah. Uh, so obviously the Reese's peanut butter cups come in your standard two pack. They also have the king size four pack. Mm-hmm. A few weeks ago, I was at, I think I was at a 7 Eleven, and I found a share size six pack. <laughs> they in, know in quotation marks. Yeah, yeah, they know no one's sharing those. I know if I would have bought that, all six of them would have been eaten before I got home in the car. Yeah. Uh and I don't even regret it, Steve. Like that's the <laughs> worst part. Uh second secondary part to this question. Um so speaking of master, masterpieces, uh, what would you call a true masterpiece in pro wrestling match or segment? Let's let's limit it to AEW. Do you think AEW has had a masterpiece yet? I, I have one. You want me to go first? Yeah, sure. I think that um, not the entire feud, but I think the MJF promo where he essentially seemed babyface, where he talked about what CM Punk meant to him and how he turned his back on him. I think that was a masterpiece. And I think the dog collar match came very, very close to being a masterpiece for me. Uh, in fact, I, I'll, I'll go ahead and say that I think it was. Wow. Um, I think, like, historically, like, Austin and Brett comes to mind. Sure, yeah. In terms of AEW, I I think the Kenny Omega, Adam Page storyline mm-hmm. yeah, really good. would be a masterpiece. I want to give a, a shout out to one of Nate Milton's old friends, Brian Mann. They used to do, uh, I think they did TNA recaps together and then they did Keep It 100 mm-hmm. uh, or Keep It 2000 together. It was about WCW. And um, he recently started doing 
some video packages that he put together and one was a CM Punk MGF feud. Okay. But the other one was once they had that match where Paige won the title, he put together a recap of the entire storyline going mm. back to New Japan. Wow. Of, that's cool. of the two of them. And just the kind of storytelling we just don't see in wrestling um, anywhere, anytime, because there's little Easter eggs here and there. There's little, um, it's kind of like on again, off again. Um, Like they had the stadium stampede match where uh, Kenny had the milk and Hangman had the beer. And it was like little things like that. Yeah. Then FTR playing with uh, Paige's lack of self-esteem, you know, Um, and the Bucks doing the same thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, just like multi-year storytelling, yeah, it's just yeah. like that's why you want to turn into weekly television, right? Yeah, I mean BTE um, YouTube show was pretty like if you if you don't watch it, I think you could just get the opinion that it's just like goofiness, but it's actually like a really layered, episodic show. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, there's like the goofiness and stuff like that, but a lot of what we see on TV references to being the elite and stuff like that, you know, that's um, mm-hmm. been going on, like you said, for years. And I, I love that they embrace it rather than say, okay, new company. Uh, and I will give WWE credit, uh, bringing in Cody, they seem to be embracing that same thing too. Like they're not hiding his past. You won't hear them say all elite wrestling, but he sounds like he didn't change a thing uh, in, in terms of coming to WWE. He's, I mean, you can't get rid of that hideous tattoo, but you know he's the American Nightmare. Uh, the music's the same. Um, you know whether you like him or not. I think it's interesting that WWE didn't repackage him like Pete Dunne is Butch now. You know, like right. they, they could have really dropped the ball. Uh, and so maybe like WWE is learning from AEW in the sense you can embrace other people's stuff and intertwine it with your own. So, uh, next question. All right, Steve. Uh, one podcast that you and I used to do together fairly regularly uh, was the heralded, much acclaimed Mission Indie Possible show. Very uh, much acclaimed, actually. Yeah, I still I hear love, about it. Yeah, I, I love that show. It was a lot of fun. Uh, if you've never heard, it's on the Place to Be Nation podcast feed. Uh, dig deep in the archives. There's some live watches with Glenn uh, as well uh, that was fun. We also had some stuff where we did like Chikara breakdowns. Uh, yeah, was, was... was Brad on that one with us, I think? I th- yeah, I think yeah. we did, and very topical to this podcast, we did an entire recap of Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, geez. Yes. Brian Danielson's time in Chikara. Yeah. So I think we went through all of the matches that he did. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Um, I-, I had a lot of fun doing that one, uh, but in honor of our previous collaboration, uh, and in the knowledge that AEW has purchased Ring of Honor, is there an indie promotion of uh, wrestling past, regardless of who owns it now, that you would like to see AEW attain the rights to in the events of putting together a streaming service. So going mm-hmm. by the idea that maybe Tony bought Ring of Honor to get a streaming service off and running, now they've got, like I said, a 20-plus-year library. Uh, are there any other indie companies that you would like to see them get the rights to? Hmm. Andrew gave his his answer on the last episode in his pro wrestling. Yeah, life. and that makes a ton of sense. Makes a ton of sense given their roster. I mean, a lot, of, yeah, especially the young bucks. You know, right? It's it's almost a, a sister promotion in a way. Yeah, that they a, a lot of 
um, almost the, the elite stuff kind of came from there in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be a good one. Like Evolve and Dragon Gate USA would be good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, even though WWE owns that, but they've done nothing with it. Right. They started adding Evolve shows, like the new ones that they kind of helped co-produce. Mm-hmm. And then they put like the first nine on and then they just completely stopped. Um, and that has a lot of AEW wrestlers in it. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I, I think Evolve's good. Um, I, 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 it's more of a pipe dream probably because of WWE involvement. But that was one that I went to because I think of, okay, well, who's AEW have? And, you know, you got Keith Lee. You got Swerve. Um, mm-hmm. Even who else have I seen on Evolve? I mean, Darby Allen. Like, was yeah, it, Darby Allen and Page had a big feud. I yeah. mean, Adam Cole. Yeah. And uh, O'Reilly and Fish and yep. uh, were all in the beginning. It was yep. Brian Danielson's part of his idea, too. My, my favorite uh, Evolve guy, though, was, was Matt Riddle. So, uh, yes. Yeah, he was my favorite one. But uh, anyway, so th- that's a good one. Uh, apparently, Scott on main event said that he would like to see AW get the Impact Library, which. Uh, that's a lot of footage that they could have. And I don't know if that would be like, I don't know if impact and NWTNA are like a separate, like if there's a dividing point or is it like WCU NWA, you know what I mean? Where it's just kind of like this right messy glob. It would be like getting Memphis or like Smoky mountain wrestling. Yeah. There's a lot of really bad stuff that wouldn't hold up today. Oh yeah. That like just not just in terms of bad quality, but like, no, you can't do this because times have changed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. All right. So, Steve, um, for those who don't know, uh, you and I uh, and Andrew used to be members of a core four along with Ben Morris, who messaged me while we were recording, by the way. Wow. Um, yeah. He said, you've got my Ring of Honor login? No, Ben, I do not. Uh, <laughs> it's an inside joke between me and Andrew. I will message him <laughs> after the show. Um, but – uh. You were called the conscious, the conscience. Still am, place yeah. To be. Yeah, uh, you, I'm saying that's where you, you you earned that name, and you still carry it on. So since Steve is the conscious of of Place to Be Nation's main event, and the core there uh, like to honor their episode number, <laughs> Steve, can you name your favorite wrestler or favorite wrestling show when you were 16 years old? Since this is our 16th episode. So wow. for me, that would be 26 years ago. So that would be 1996. Well, yes, all of us it would be. Oh, no. Okay, 16 yeah. years ago. Okay, yes. Gotcha. Yeah, Never when mind. I was 16 years old, I, it would be 1996 mm-hmm. for me. Um, my favorite wrestler in 96 would probably be the collective NWO. I think that's an easy answer for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Steve, uh, what year uh. were you 16 years old? 92 which was a really interesting time in wcw yeah um there's so much change but they actually had some really good stuff in there too yeah you just had to dig deep for it who is in wwf at that time? well that was flair winning the rumble that year so you have flair in the wwf so that was like flair savage and piper brett at wrestlemania in 92 Mm -hmm. so that's a pretty good show those that's Brett won the world title for the first time that year. Yeah, I would think it would probably be Brett yeah. and Savage. Yeah, that's that's a good pick. I mean, it's, it feels safe too. You know, off the top of our head, without having access to like stuff, I think you could make a safe bet and say yeah. Brett had a, Brett had a good ninety-two. <laughs> WCW had a really solid roster. Yeah, at that point, but there was in so much turmoil backstage. 
age that like they had people i think like jim hurd bill watts and yeah all that was like were, when they banned the top rope stuff and yeah was 92 when ron simmons won or did he win in 91 i think he won it in 92 the world title i think so too i've been watching a lot of night i took a big break on it but i was watching a lot of 1993 mm-hmm. wcw you know it's not horrible is it Mm-mm. like it some I mean, great great matches yeah, in there. Yeah, we always Texas say history. Yeah, we always say history Bader. is written by the winners, and I feel like WCW has really been forgotten for how good it was because of how bad it got at the end. Yeah, it was nineteen ninety two? Was that when they had Paulie and? Oh yeah, that would be the the, the greatest war games ever. The Dangerous yeah. Alliance against uh, Sting. Uh, that, that was was that the year that Pillman? No, ninety was no. when Sid powerbomb pillman and he hit his head on the top of the cage in war games and nearly killed the guy so 92 war games would have been the dangerous alliance mm-hmm. that was a great 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 match so dangerous alliance is a good choice too yeah they had yeah, rude austin yeah zabisco uh, yeah ricky steamboat yeah uh bobby eaton was in the dangerous alliance yeah yeah that's a pretty good one uh parenthes- parenthetical question here uh what would 16 year old jordan or steve have thought of aew um, well, when I was 16, ECW was, uh, a big deal. I don't, I don't know that AEW compares to ECW. I think I would have dug it. I, 16 year old me got back into wrestling. Um, I feel like the NWO saved my wrestling fandom, honestly, if I'm being totally transparent. Uh, 96 is when I really got back into pro wrestling. Uh, so at 16 years old, so I probably would have loved the AEW. Yeah, I probably would have liked it as well because I mean, that was kind of a little bit of a time like when you're able to start driving so you would do a little bit more. Sure, yeah. Um, so I didn't watch as much as I did before that, but I, I would try to ingest anything that was on. Right. At that at, at that time, if I was if I was home, any anything that it was wrestling, I would right. try to watch. I agree. And speaking of driving, Steve, <laughs> if you were given a <laughs> Tesla... <laughs> <laughs> but yes. the catch was that you had to drive it with giant, ugly, long horns or some other silly decoration on the front, like Hangman Page's. Would you still do it? God, that cracked me up. So <laughs> Hangman Page yeah. drove out uh, in a Tesla. With giant uh, bullhorns. <laughs> with giant bullhorns like JBL. And it was great that it was a Tesla because uh, he's very much um, left-wing kind of, not yeah. extreme, but uh, Snarky very much. towards towards conservatives. Yeah, and big on fighting climate change and stuff. So it was it just, it was humorous that he came out with a Tesla. Yep. Ugly long horns. Um, I might still do it, but if I ever went back to school to get like a PhD, I wouldn't because it would be a waste of money. <laughs> but one of two ideas I had for writing a thesis would be to figure out uh, the mental health of people with multiple bumper stickers on their car because i am i I think one is fine two is but once you start getting to three or more it's like uh becoming a cat lady yeah kind of like that um i i that was one thing that i would like to do so if it had many many bumper stickers on it no i would not do it okay i uh we went to applebee's about two weeks ago to dinner and there was a car in the lot, and uh, to say that I felt uneasy while eating my Applebee's, they had a bumper sticker that said, I'm a gunaholic, mm. and their custom license plate said, bipolar. 
No. So I thought wow. that was a interesting combination. That is a choice that one makes because yeah. that's not a bumper sticker. You have to yeah. You have to pay to like, the DMV. Yeah. Write that down. Yeah. And he's a gunaholic. So wait, maybe it's, maybe he meant Billy Gunn. I, give him benefit of the doubt. Okay. Big fan of the Gun Club. I'm not sure. So. All right, Steve. Uh, what, uh, two more questions. One, um, these are reach related <laughs> since he is on vacation. Um, you're a TNA chronicler. Uh, if Andrew stumbles onto the Universal Studios soundstage while he's on vacation in Orlando, uh, are there any random TNA items he should be on the lookout for that could possibly have been left behind? Oh, yeah. In the main event, we've been slowly working our way through the asylum years of TNA. We will get done with that, I believe, in 40 years. <laughs> um, and TNA I, still exists. Yeah, I <laughs> I went through these notes very, very, very quickly when I was at work today. And at first I thought it said, what random TNA tag team oh. should he be on the lookout for that was accidentally <laughs> left behind? And I was like, well, maybe the Hot Shots? Yeah. Um, Felix Skipper? Yeah. Just, just him? What random TNA item should be on the lookout for? Okay. Um, one of my favorite in-jokes from the main event, and just Nate Milton and I in general... Disco Inferno had a segment for three years, two weeks, <laughs> called Jive Talking, and he had a set which was supposed to be, it was supposed to be like a, like, you know, the disco ball and like, yeah, yeah. like kind of, it was supposed to be like a 70s style, like pat, like swag palace, kind of like, any of these gross um, couches and stuff, and, and one week, um, someone showed up, it was like, it was those times where people from wwe would show up randomly or ecw and be like you know who that is that's the sandman and this time it was mike Tanay saying do you know who that is that's paulina from tough enough because paulina from tough enough and don't ask me who paulina from tough enough is i only know her from this one segment was supposed to be his bodyguard because uh, she was just really tall and just like no I, I don't know who that is and even if you explain so i would look out for paulina from tough enough uh hanging okay. out on the jive talking stage oh or the sounds... popcorn lady with the old grandma popcorn lady with the broom okay my answer would probably be the balloons that abyss carried over to the <laughs> wwe as a peace offering uh, yes that's maybe paulina's got him i don't know uh <laughs> Uh, two more questions that we can we can get out of here for the night. Reesh is hamming it up at Disney World. We hope he's having a great time. Uh, do either of us think that at any point ever that Disney will buy in on pro wrestling? And if so, will it be WWE, AEW, or something completely different down the road? My answer would be Disney doesn't buy small-time stuff. If they buy wrestling, they're buying the WWE. That's the only thing I could see happening. Yeah, um, there is actually a couple. I, I think just within the last week, there was an article about this, mm-hmm. about will a streaming service buy something like wwe or i think there were a couple other um uh, i don't think it was like ufc or anything like that but with um looking for content and uh, like espn you know yeah. having a stake in ufc yep. um, you know is that something that that they could do and that yeah wwe would be a thing that disney could buy i don't i don't know um if so, like you said, it would be WWE. Is it possible? Sure. Um, the It was the CNBC that did the article, and they were trying to make the leap that because Vince McMahon is getting older 
and mm. owns 80% of the company at some point, he's going to have to sell. So who is it going to be to? And Nick Khan always talking about that they're open for business. Will it be AEW? No. Will it be some like small promotion that pops up, or will they make their own? Absolutely not. No. Yeah. It's WWE or nothing. That's. I agree. I think that's. Disney doesn't buy. You know, uh, season three of Community to stream. They buy NBC. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> like um, it's one of those things that I think as Vince ages, it'll get talked about more and more and more. I really have no idea. Um, I don't know. All I know is that uh, Vince does not sound good anymore. We talked about this in our last episode. He sounds like Aaron George on the Christmas plays over at Plays B Nation doing <laughs> Stu Hart. Uh, that's what he sounds like to me. And uh, apparently he took the worst stunner in wrestling history at WrestleMania. <laughs> so, uh, anyways. We've got one last question. I thought that was our last One last question, Steve. On the previous episode, Andrew mentioned whether or not to order a pay-per-view because AEW has actual pay-per-views, whereas WWE has – they don't call them pay-per-views anymore. Are they special events, live special events? Uh, premium live events. Yeah, premium live events. AEW is still the pay-per-view game. And Ring of Honor, by the way, uh, apparently they had one of their biggest buy rates with Supercard of Honor uh, in right, history. Yeah. Um, yeah. So already some, some AEW magic rub- rubbing off there. Question is, do you sometimes miss Scramble Vision? If so, what is your funniest <laughs> moment watching it growing up? <laughs> um, I I don't know if he means like listening because in our house you could. I remember there were some pay per views that we didn't order, but if you turned it on, it was scrambled. But you could hear the announcing. Right. Hopefully. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. There was definitely some. Uh, there's also a completely other type of scramble vision that comes to mind uh yes that would be my embarrassing moment like my parents thinking that i was listening to pornography or something like that right Right. Uh, exactly but i did you know it was a period of time and a lot of our younger listeners won't even know that like oh yeah you would be able if you did not have a cable channel you would get like not a test pattern, but it would it would just be completely scrambled up, and sometimes yep. you could make out who it was like, or what was who happening. it was. Yeah, little pictures, but on good on good days, you can hear the announcing loud and clear. Yep. So it was like listener radio. Yeah, yeah. Um. So at least you would know what was happening because you know you're you're a kid. You're not going to be able to afford all, especially once. WCW and WWF doing monthly, yeah. And ECW came along like that. That's a lot of money, right? I mean, uh, even if this was the days when pay per view were maybe twenty five bucks each, three of them in a month. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, and that's like mid nineties, like late when it wasn't so popular yet that places were showing them in bars and mm-hmm. whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was the really the only way to see them if you didn't want to spend. You know, you know, I've heard people complain about fifty dollars for an AEW pay per view. Well, that's four times a month. They were charging twenty five, thirty, yep. forty, yep. Uh, a couple times a month. Yeah, I, I remember. Um, I would I would fight with my parents sometimes because I wanted to get you know whether it's you know Spring Stampede or Backlash or something, and they'd say, "Well, you just got one last week." I'm like, "Yeah, but this is a different one." You know, you have to explain. Thankfully, my dad was a wrestling fan, so I could be like, "Dad, this is WCW," and he'd be, and he'd be like, "What matches are there?" So like mm-hmm. that would be his determining factor. So it's really hopeful that like he was somebody he liked <laughs> in a high profile match. Um, but yeah, uh, I I do have some distinct memories of listening to like Royal Rumbles for whatever reason come to mind, like listening 
and trying to figure out who was in the ring being like, I think that's Mr. Perfect, you know, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's definitely, uh, something that, uh, today's generation does not know, uh, the joys and the, the downfalls of scramble visions. So. <laughs> Maybe I could like make a video of this and just scramble it, uh, along with the audio. What do you think? That would be kind of cool, actually. Yeah, just upload it to YouTube. <laughs> just scramble. <laughs> this first scramble vid podcast. <laughs> That's something that hasn't been done. Right, I know. I think I might have just stumbled onto something. Maybe Disney will buy me out. <laughs> Eichner, if you're listening. Is my, Eichner's not in Disney anymore, is he? I don't know. No. Mandalorian, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm for sale. I am, I am willing to sell all of my ideas. Uh, but Steve, man, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, I miss doing shows with you. It's been a, a yeah. while. Uh, before we started uh, the show, I mentioned that it's been almost one calendar year since we've done a podcast together. That's crazy. And that was feeling good for now. Steve, are you still feeling good? I am feeling good for now. Good. Yeah, I am. Yeah. And um, yeah, this is going to be me taking over too. I'm just going to start hopping on the calls. Oh, the hostile oh, takeovers here. AW, and I'll just like yeah, pipe in with random random thoughts. The forbidden caller. <laughs> No, you are welcome anytime. Uh, we we are here every two weeks. Uh, doors always open. It's not forbidden. You are more than welcome to come through uh, and bring people with you if you want. Uh, drag Scott along. You know, I heard he's uh, throwing down the gauntlet to have me and Andrew appear um, over at Main Event, and uh, we're planning a hostile takeover. I- yeah, episode two hundred will be coming up soon. Um, the <laughs> third longest podcast on Place to Be Nation. Do you, longest running. Do you know what number two is? Well, I've, one has to be the flagship, obviously. Yeah. Something with more episodes than the main event? Mm-hmm. Jeez, I don't... No, I have no clue. Andrew Reish's NBA team. Oh, it has more 231 episodes. 231. Okay, that makes recent. sense because, you know, uh, main event went to every other week, whereas Reish stayed weekly. So it allowed him to kind of jump, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Awesome. So we'll come in uh, carrying that swag that uh, Reach has the longevity, and I've got the scramble vision. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Let's see if Scott can do it. I like how somehow we're rivals of Scott, even though uh, Scott really helped us get off the ground. And, you know, if Scott's listening, I do really appreciate uh, you listen back to those really, <coughs> really old episodes. All of our voices were a lot shakier. We had a lot worse equipment. I'm very thankful for Place to Be Nation kind of let us all kind of learn this craft. Not to say that we've mastered it in any way, um, but I do think we've all gotten a little better as years have gone on. And I'm thankful to Scott and Justin especially who really just gave a lot of people free microphone reins, you know, to uh, speak, you know, and for, for years uh, we were on main event, and you know, if anyone wants a little bit of behind the scenes scoop? There's no falling out. There's no bad blood. Uh, for me, it was just I stopped watching wrestling mostly. Yes. <laughs> you know, like it, it got to a point where like I felt bad because I was still on the show and I wasn't watching wrestling, so I had to like read results and almost lie, you know, and be like, oh yeah, well this this was a stupid segment. All I did was read about it, you know, <laughs> like and I felt almost guilty, and I felt like my contribution was unneeded because. Again, I wasn't even watching the stuff, so um, <laughs> I, I kind of stepped out there uh, as life uh, took over. Um, but I'm looking forward to going back on episode 200. It's going to be a fun time. So, yeah, I will. Yeah. And I believe Mr. Ben Morse, I'll be chatting with him as soon as this episode ends, and we'll get him and the gang's getting back together, Steve. 
That's uh, crazy. Yeah, call 16-year-old Willie and let him know. Uh, and uh, get Audrey Sitterson. Yeah. <laughs> I'll call the Bushwhackers. You call Will. It's going to be a heck of a time. <laughs> All right, for Steve Willie and uh, for myself and Andrew Reese, who is currently, let's check and see. Oh, gosh darn it. He tore Space Mountain to the ground. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, old is riding the park. Uh, for Andrew, who is MIA right now, he's on the Cody Express. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you in a couple weeks.